I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And this episode's brought to you by the 6000 Sucks. 2043 OCP 6000 Sucks is a large four-door executive type car with reclining leather seats, cruise control, and a blow punked radio. It additionally has fast speed and a gas mileage of 8.2 miles per gallon, an American tradition. Well, shout out these 6000 Sucks and welcome to Verhoeven week, Paul Verhoeven week. This week we are watching RoboCop and Total Recall, yes. two classic sci-fi action movies. But Joe, before we get there, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we last recorded? What did we record? What movie did we talk about last time? We talked about RoboCop. What was the intro to last episode? Two doors, my car. That's it. What'd you do? What, what's? Uh, boy, I mean, the the power has thrown me for a loop. I'm back with power now. Yes. But what have you been up to since we last recorded? I was just gonna talk about what we did last night, but mm-hmm. otherwise, like I've been laying low. I was getting ready before we recorded i started vacuuming and then i wound up vacuuming everything you know that a week's been good when the uh, extracurriculars highlight is i've been vacuuming <laughs> yeah, i mean just cooking and shit like i've been trying to lay sure. low I, like oh mm-hmm. the penguins lost that was the whole point i made it through that right penguins lost yeah. they look like shit they they lost three games out of five they only won one they didn't deserve to win so but somehow because of, this is a wacky ass year do you know like the whole what happened for us to get to like the draft thing do you know about this no we talked about this briefly i know that the rangers have a one and eight shot to get the first pick because i have a lot of friends who are devils fans wait so before you explain this are you now the consensus in our baseball thread is that because the devils are have, were not even invited to this you know play-in because they were that bad yes all my friends are basically rooting for the islanders now so are you rooting for the islanders or do you have somebody else to root for i don't mind i don't know the what islanders. the i don't know what the i don't know what the history is between you and the islanders I, I don't know i have i mean like we used to shit on the islanders a lot but they beat us last year so like i don't know the islanders aren't really a great team they're not fun to watch for me they're just oh, like okay. I, yeah. I was telling you this like they play like this like very boring like defensive game that i don't very find very enjoyable for me like the team that i would like to see win is the that Colorado Avalanche. They're a fun team. They're young. They have like a few players that I like. They have an old Penguin, um, them or the Coyotes because they have some old Penguins and their coach is an old Penguin. I would rather a team from the West win, but like it looks like you know the East is super dominant. So who knows what's and it's a wacky season. So tell me about the draft. Yeah, go for the draft. In the NHL, you know from last year because like you know all your Devils friends fans were all excited because he got the number one overall pick. So what happens is they do a draft lottery, right? So just because you're the worst team doesn't mean you get the first pick. They were like, okay, like they did like the like pre-lottery. This is how it's going to go. And usually teams like I think one through 16 get a shot at one through three. Right. But it's ranked based on like what your score was. So like if you're like the last place team, you get like a 75% chance that you're going to get the first pick. But that's not 100, right? 75%? I don't know. I was making that number up. I don't know what the actual okay. number is. Okay. It's like, you should get this pick. It's a lottery, so it might not happen. What they did is they drew it, and they said, okay, um, when they picked it, the number one overall pick goes to a team, but because they had the playoffs, they're like, it's going to be one of the teams that's like in the opening round, but also doesn't win. And it's like a, just a placeholder, right? Oh, okay. I see what happens. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah, like yeah, every okay. other pick from like two to 16 is ranked, but one of the teams that lost in this opening round will get the first overall pick. The Penguins lost and they have a chance to get the number one overall pick. And this kid, it looks really, really good. So I'm hoping that the stars align 
line and that it was just a fluke of them losing to get the number one overall pick and then we have a new franchise guy for the next you know 15 20 years so aside from this weird year yeah i think that's the same way that the nba does with the nba lottery that basically every team that doesn't make the playoffs gets thrown in and there's like a certain number of yep. proverbial like balls right like yes. you know not bingo balls but bingo balls essentially and like i think the first team has like a 25 percent chance and it's like 22 then 20 or whatever and it keeps going down which is why zion didn't go to the knicks last year even though the knicks were the worst team and he went to the pelicans right. instead yes and now he's not playing because they're already like oh no he's i don't, don't want to talk about it <laughs> but yeah okay so that makes more sense because i didn't realize i didn't i never i didn't look into or ask about why there is a one and eight shot but i mean it's weird but it, it makes sense i guess yes yeah, so they already like decided that like one of these eight teams that lost is going to get the first pick and then they have like everybody else but because they hadn't played the games yet they're like it's going to be one of these teams not which one of these teams because you had a chance to not be in this lottery wait so you might have said this and i might have missed it or you might not have said this and i'm wondering so the way the NBA does it is they pick the first three teams and then everyone else is based on record. Yeah, so they'll only that's, do like yeah, the first three NHL teams. Does too. Okay, that makes sense. So they have like the one to sixteen. That's when you were saying they have like the eight. Everything's ranked, but they have like eight. So what happened holders. was is like when they pulled the balls, like the number one pick was like in between four and sixteen, right? So they were like, okay, it's but we don't know which team that is yet, and we're not gonna like we're gonna just redraw whenever we figure those teams out. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you've been up to or no? I mean, we could talk about last night, but yes. anything else other than that? No, no, no. That was it. That's what I've been thinking about and doing about. And Yeah, so last night we had our watch party. We wound up calling it Audible. It was a smaller watch party, but we enjoyed... Emma showed up for the first time, which was awesome. Emma was there, yeah. Wells there for almost the entire time. We had Justin pop in for a while. Yep. Past guest Mike Manzi, patron of the show, friend of the show, Melissa Lynham, all there. So we watched... We put together our 30-minute pre-roll, which is on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash too fast to forever yeah. for Fast and Furious related stuff, Michelle Rodriguez stuff. That video of Letty just being pissed off for five minutes is hilarious, and yeah. I highly recommend go, you go, watch that. Look up the Mommy Toretto <laughs> channel on YouTube, which is wonderful. We were decided, because we had talked about the original plan was to watch Fast and Furious, and then to for me to start streaming the video game, which came out on Friday, yes. Fast and Furious Crossroads. Which Nick has been messaging us about and telling us all kinds of cool stuff about it too, because he's playing as well. We didn't talk about this, you and I, but we neither of us really wanted to watch, I don't think, just I just think any movie last night. I think it was just like, I don't really feel like watching a movie right now. And I think Rachel was like, I kind of want to, I just want to see the the game. Oh, because Rachel's there too. I mean, Rachel's always there in sphere, but she was in the room too. And she was like, I kind of just want to see the game. And so we asked Emma because she was like the one, I I don't think Wells was there yet. No, nobody else was there. Emma was the only sort of like, listener as opposed to just like one of our real life friends she's like i don't really care so we're like okay cool let's just do the game and so i stream like 70 minutes of it so i think we based on that and based on like the achievements and stuff on xbox i think the story is gonna be like two and a half or three hours yeah so not a wildly long game there's a whole online component that i did not start yet it's interesting i mean do, we, do you want to talk about some of the things that we saw so far should we keep it spoiler free i don't know not that we can really spoil it but i think we should do it all as like one segment when we finish it but there is lots of like cool references to the movies and characters mm-hmm. to be honest it's a lot of fucking cutscenes and yeah. a lot of driving back and forth to this hideaway that's pretty much what the whole game is yeah it's like in the first like 20 minutes of joey playing he drove to the same house like four different times it was incredible that's what it is i'm glad that we can play it to be like 
you might want to think about buying this game. Yeah, like, after we were done, Melissa texted me. She was like, that game did not look fun. I was like, I'm just glad that people were watching, because, like, it's not a well-made game. Like, the, it feels like the engine is based on the Need for Speed engine, which is not bad, but, like, I didn't actually say this last time, but this is the best way. Like, you know how sometimes when you're playing a shooter, there's, like, aim assist, where it'll be like, oh, it'll draw you to the guy's head yes. or to the chest yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. make it easier? It's basically that with driving, which feels really weird. And then it's not very smooth, and it's clunky controls, and, like... And the cars, the gravity is very weird. Yeah, like, I somehow, like, went under a truck and, like, flipped the truck. I don't know. Like, the the game seems to make you, let you want to win. Like, I, I should have failed a couple missions last night. Oh, that wasn't sure. close. Yeah, no. So, I don't know. I mean... I'm just glad that people were watching. It's not a great game. I would say if you're a fan of the Fast and Furious... You're a big fan. I'm sure before too long, the cutscenes, if not already, all the cutscenes will be on YouTube. I would say just watch a playthrough of that. That's a good point, yeah. I, the online might be fun. I'll report back once we finish... Well, A, once we finish the story. I say we because I'm not playing this game without you. Yeah. And B, once I play the online, maybe the online is worth it because there, there did seem to be a lot of customization online, which looked cool. Uh, I haven't played it yet, though, but... Uh, Early returns is that the game is the gameplay itself is not great. It's just you driving a car, and there's missions, but the missions are either like demolition derby or race to a place. I guess maybe once at the beginning you might have had to like shoot something with your car, but you said you also weren't really doing it. Well, there's like hacking, which is cool. Yeah, I don't. Like, there's it's it's all right. Like I think it's interesting. Like again, because at one point you last night I think you asked you like. Who is this for? And I was like, oh, this is like explicitly for us. Like, it's not for anybody else. Like, it's not like a great racing game. It would be like, for us if we were like 14. No, not even. Like, mm, like 11, maybe? There's people who want to play, who have money to play video. Because like, it's, you know, 60 bucks is not cheap. It's been the normal right. for, 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 it's been the average for, for years and years and years. But like, it's not cheap. It's not a great game. It doesn't seem like a very long game. I think it's just like people looking to expand the world of the Fast and Furious, which is explicitly us. So I don't know. It also feels like the story mode was kind of like, I'm sick of this. And we talked about this. The games are like built for online now. So this seems like this could be yeah. a game that's like completely built for online. That there's people that don't even play the story mode. They don't care. And then there's people like us that like only care about the story mode. And they're like, okay, they just put on this like small story mode. I miss the days of when like games were strictly story mode things and then had some online stuff later it's fun though it's cool and we'll report if you if you don't want to get it just know that we will tell you all the cool things that happened yeah. eventually when we finish it but i would like to do it as one segment not two pieces or three pieces or whatever the other extracurricular activity that i've been up to on a related note is i just beat this game carrion c-a-r-r-i-o-n so part okay. of so i have xbox live game pass ultimate which is basically netflix for video games on xbox and i have that for free through bing because shout out bing uh just because know, searching right. that thing gives you points so you can redeem it. Carrion is a super cool game. It's like a short game. You basically play, like, imagine, it's not, it doesn't look like the alien, like the xenomorph from Alien, but you're basically playing as the alien in Alien, just going around and, like, eating scientists and humans and stuff like that. And sometimes they have, you know, guns and flamethrowers and stuff like that, and, like, there are more, you know, there's mechs and stuff that value, but, like, it's cool to be the this villain? extraterrestrial, like, tentacle creature going around leveling up, getting new abilities, becoming bigger, becoming more powerful. And it's just like a super cool, like there's like a story kind of that's told in flashbacks, but mostly you're just like a creature just fucking shit up. And like, it's super fun. And because it's on Game Pass, I didn't pay any money to play it. And I loved it. So like, cool. if you have Game Pass, if you have a, it's on Switch now too, I think, and Steam, definitely worth it. A lot of fun. Um, just while we're on video game talk, carry and highly recommend. Cool. 
that works for me. I don't think that I've been up to anything else. I've just been catching up on what I missed. Oh, I finished Ant Kind. I finished Ant Kind. How was the it? Book I was telling you about. Very good. So it's you had me so enthused. I had to tell. I had to retell Rachel the stories that you were telling me from the book because I found them so amusing in the car. I don't know how much more I want to spoil. Like, there's not really a satisfying. I mean, okay. So it's at once a satisfying ending, like kind of the only way the book can end. But it's also like when I was like, I don't know how, where this is going or how this is going to end. Yes. Like it's sort of that's also true too. Okay. To a certain point, and my friend Bob and I were talking about this that i was saying to you last time we talked about this that there are like the seven different ways that this guy in the book watches a movie in like very pretentious way or whatever we think which sounds insane that like those kind of sort of apply to reading the book too like it might make sense in a way to like read the book backwards like not like you know page by page like chapter by chapter i don't know i don't know but it is it's non-linear it like everything completely falls off the rails it is a journey like it hurt my head in both good ways and bad ways it's a lot i'm I'm looking it's a book that i want to read again because i mean it took me a long time it's like 720 pages but like i just it is unlike anything else like on purpose and i think you know bob and i talked about it being like a commentary i think i mentioned on here maybe last week that like it kind of feels like a a criticism of art a criticism of criticism bob was saying that he thinks it might be just like taking down people who think that like watching a movie is like experiencing life because sort of like condemning art in that way okay okay it's about the way that art shapes us as we shape art and how it sort of ebbs and flows a little bit like that i also think that to a certain point it is to my defense of like it's a criticism of criticism and art and everything i think there's like a little bit of weird kind of like self-loathing a little maybe possibly from charlie kaufman about because there's like basically every script he has written so like eternal sunshine synecdoche new york anomalisa adaptation being John Malkovich, like, all of those things that define those movies, so, like, puppets or, like, an army full of Malkovich clones or, like, the ability to write or just, like, a a small thing, like, a representation of a thing within a bigger thing, which is Synecdoche, New York, and, like, all of that, like, the memory and, like, Eternal Sunshine, like, is embedded in the story here, and it feels kind of like a meta-narrative about his art and kind of, like, jumbled together in a way. And I, I, I said to Bob, I was like, do you think that he wrote this so that it couldn't be adapted into a movie. And he he thinks he remembers Ooh. reading something like that like a while ago, like explicitly, because like at points feels like, oh, this is like a very clear thing, like how you could see this like on the screen yeah. or whatever, like you could visualize. And then at other points you're like, I don't even know where to begin. Like by the end, here's another thing that I will say, and if you don't want spoilers of Antkind, skip ahead like a minute. There are clone armies, like the guy, the narrator has like three versions of himself that he kills two of, but then there is a clone army of Donald Trump but he is in the future known as Donald Trunk, T-R-U-N-K, and there are entire stretches of the book that are written in his perspective. But in the end, which maybe takes place in hell, I don't know, there are literally millions of Donald Trunks who all have angelic singing voices, and they're all like, in, like they're all identical, but they all have their own personality quirks, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? It all makes sense within itself, but then within the grander narrative, it's like, I don't know how any of this ties together. And I feel like in that way, it's like, I can see each of these scenes visually, like in terms of how you would depict it on the screen, but I don't know how you tell a story or make a movie about the way it all works together. Yeah. And like, it doesn't really concretely end in a way. And so I don't know. It's fascinating. It's difficult. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it. So it I, sounds uh, fun, I recommend Ant Kind. I dig it. It sounded, it's, it's super, like, again, I told you, I loved it so much that I was telling Rachel the stories that you were telling me because it 
it was just hilarious. The next book I'm going to read is, I guess, something similar. It's this book called Flickr, which I don't know anything about. Okay. But Bob was telling me that it's another book about a guy making movies or something in that world. So this is another, like, super dense, or not maybe not dense, but super long book. And I read whatever the summary was, and I said to him, I'm like, I my head already hurts. He's like, no, no, no. It's much simpler. It's much more straightforward. It's an easier read than this. It's just like a, another long-ass book. So That's interesting. If, if it's worth bringing up, I will bring it up on here. But uh, So the title, Ankind, makes no sense for, like, 650 pages. And then finally, like, in the last 50, it's like, well, here's the ants. And it's like, oh, what, what the fuck? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> The last thing that I did that I wanted to tell you about, just because I told you about it, is that I was watching Love on the Spectrum on Netflix, okay? Because you know that we like reality TV and stuff like that. Um, this show is about people on the autism spectrum dealing with dating. This this feels more exploitative than every other show I that you've watched. I thought that, dude. I, to- I totally said this to Rachel. We, we put it off for a while because we thought it was super exploitive. That's what we were worried about. After watching it, it's a lot more wholesome and friendly and heartwarming than I ever thought. It's really not. You know, it's just like them dealing with relationships and like dating. We all have the same problems. They just have difficulty communicating, reading social cues. Their dating problems are the same dating problems that anybody would have. It's just even more difficult for them. They have this lady come in. She's like their coach and like helps all of these people with autism, like, you know, learn the like structure of dating, you know, like, what do you do on a first date? What kind of questions should you ask? And like, how do you carry on conversation? And, and um, so she comes into their houses and she's doing like a practice thing with one of the guys there. She's like, okay, like we're going to work on like how you carry on a conversation on a first date. And so she's like, you know, I just had my birthday. And he's like, cool. What did you do with your friends? And she's like, we went to go see a movie. And he's like, what movie did you see? And she's like, Fast and the Furious 3. And he's like, really? Ooh. I love the Fast and the Furious. And she was like, yeah, we had a good time. And he's like, six is my favorite. That's my favorite Fast and the Furious. And like the, the conversation, like it clearly like clicked in his head. And you saw him like as soon as she brought up Fast and the Furious, like he was like, yes, this is something I want to talk about. And I thought that was really cool. So that was a really long way to say that like even in Love on the Spectrum, I got a little Fast and the Furious fast connection there. And it made me really, really happy. I mean, like it's definitely not for everyone, but if you like dating shows, this one is like the least where you hate people. There is nobody on the show that I was like, oh, they really suck. I was just like, I hope these people find love for each other. And a lot of them find really good, wholesome relationships. And that's really great. So it made me feel warm. And it's like three or four episodes. It was awesome. It was a good Saturday cool. afternoon show. We have a Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, and Jerry Robinson for supporting us the $5 level or above. That's Thank a long list, so much. man. That's a really long list. It's a good list. It's a solid it's list. It's solid. A really core good group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm just saying, like, that read through, I was like, that's a long list. I don't want to tease. I don't want to tease too much, but there's a couple good quiz questions, I think, for this minute that we're going to do later in the episode. So if you want to take the Fast and Furious Minute quiz available to all of our patrons, early how many access, questions is it at? It is 87 questions right now. And I think Ooh, I have, like, there's, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to add three, but there are possibly three uh, that we'll we can get there. Go. We'll get there. I haven't even read them yet in the document. So, yeah, everybody was asking because I, like, you know, I, I told you guys that, like, that whenever we make a new question, I send it to my friends to see. And actually, the past, like, 10 or 15 
15, they've gotten, at least one of them has gotten on the first guess. Yeah, they were like, how many questions is this quiz? <laughs> like, you know, because yeah. they get like two a week or whatever. So we have like 105-ish minutes. I think it's probably going to wind up being like about 115, 120 questions, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll just play. I like this whole like... If it, if it comes, it comes. That's what happens. Cool. We also have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. We got three and a half emails because one, Wes sends in a car picture and then starts off, I know you have like a thousand car pictures, so we'll get to that eventually. But we have three emails Wasn't the to rules read. lately that we were like cutting them in like one Hector, one somebody else? I don't think so. I don't know. No, we Maybe, said that I mean, before we and you, you did a bunch know. of Hector ones, but then like... We got nothing but time. We can figure it yeah, out. It doesn't matter. Okay, so our first email that we're reading is from Jerry Robinson, subject line, Hey Brothers. What up, Jerry? How are you doing, bud? says, Hey guys, hope all is well through these dark times. On Monday the 3rd, so this past Monday, was my three-year anniversary with Ileana. She's my ride and die. And although we had to work on Monday, I got off at 4, and she got off at 7. So I drove to her job with a few gifts, roses, dark chocolate, a funny card, some Stella Rosa wine. Surprised her and had Chipotle for dinner. Chipotle for dinner? That's that's actually a really good move, dude. when I eat it. Do you, okay, I want to tell you a Chipotle trick that maybe everybody else knows, but Rachel tied to me. When you go to Chipotle, you get a burrito, okay? Mm-hmm. And then one of the things you ask for is a side of the Chipotle salad dressing, and you use that as a drizzle on your burrito. It is incredible. It changed my life. Really? Okay. Okay. It's kind of like a vinaigrette. It's like a tangy... But like, you know, Chipotle style vinaigrette, it just goes so well with the burritos, dude. Like I can't eat one without it anymore. It's like the way to go. And I don't even think like sometimes they might charge you for it. I don't think they charge you for it. And they give you like one little cup of it and I just drizzled on my burrito and it's like salty and vinegary. Oh, so good. I don't usually do Chipotle. Like Chipotle's, this it's not still the case. I've gotten over it. But like their whole Listeria thing scared me off for a while. And I've always preferred Moe's. Like I think Chipotle tastes more authentic. I think Moe's tastes more fast foody, but I just like it more. Yeah. I just like it better. Our buddy the queso, Zach. And the queso is, un, is incomparable. Like the, yes, I agree. The, I the agree. Chipotle queso is gross. And the Moe's queso is the best thing about the restaurant. So Our buddy Zach loves Moe's. I was never a big fan of Moe's. We eventually got steak burritos with queso in them from Moe's, and I was like, this is good. I agree with you. But if I had to choose between one or the other, I always pick Chipotle over Moe's. I get it. I respect it. Jerry says, we're happy baseball's back, but sad because baseball's straight fucked up sideways, upside down, and reverse. Well, mostly <laughs> just the Marlins and the Cardinals. Other, like, it has been a week, really, since the last real outbreak. Like, they, I feel not optimistic, but I don't feel pessimistic, which I think is a better thing. Like, the Cardinals, again, canceled the weekend series because they had a couple more positive tests or whatever, but, like... And they play the Pirates next, so they, like, that whole series is going to be canceled. It's not a real year. That's the whole point. That, like, we're going to get it, but whoever wins championships in any of these sports this year is like well i don't know i don't know i don't know it's it's interesting i i again it depends like if you if you like you were saying if the penguins win it's like well yeah this is a very great year yeah he says dude where's my car is a funny movie even if you're high i had a few times and was especially if you need a good laugh my favorite part is the super hot giant alien which always makes me laugh we talked about this i i love that the aliens refer to themselves as hot chicks. They're like, oh, look at these mm-hmm. aliens. They're like, no, we are hot chicks. And like, that's like, yeah. I think that's one of the best jokes in the whole movie for me. He says, actually, we did not talk about this, but he says, I have some news regarding Fast 9. The mixtape is out and it's awesome. Have you listened? Oh. I know you were talking to Wes about this. I don't know if you listened. They had a bunch of si- singles on Spotify, but I don't know if you actually listened. I have not listened yet. I listened to the NBA Youngboy track that had the the music video that came out right before the mixtape. And then honestly, I forgot about it. But everybody, like Jason was messaging us saying he loved it Wes said that he had like a few songs that he thought were pretty catchy I don't know I'm kind of torn I don't know if I want to like 
listen to it and play it out because if it's all songs from the movie, but it's like the mixtape, that doesn't mean it's. I don't think it is. I think it's going to be like songs inspired by, you know, essentially. You know what I mean? I'm really nervous that like if I would listen to it, all the songs would be in the movie, and that I wouldn't have those joyous moments of like us watching Hobbs and Shaw and being like, oh my god, there's some great songs in here that I've never heard before that I'm really enjoying, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's my thoughts. That's why I've like, yeah. Jerry says also the in the rock news, he bought the XFL for only $15 million. We talked about that we did. last episode, yeah. I think. Today, my bet it's only like $100 to us. That's all I got for now. Be fast and never last. Thank we talked you. about how, you know, he he assumed they accrued the debt, though. So we'll That see was that the, goes. yeah, that was like part of the deal. We don't know the real deal, but yeah, apparently like he accrued the debt of it. And also, we didn't talk about that he bought it with his ex-wife. So like the woman who's like his partner that bought it with him is also his ex-wife. They like mentioned that like once in a couple articles and I'm like, okay, that's awesome and kind of weird. I mean, it's like really dope in a way and then I'm like, yeah, that would scare the shit out of me though. <laughs> like... Again, I don't know their terms of their relationship or anything, but I would still be a little suspect. Sometimes, like, you work better. Like, I think sometimes relationships come out of, like, business partnerships, and you realize that you can work together, but you're not necessarily good romantic partners. That's fair. So I think, like, if they have a good business relationship, you know, do financial things or executive things or managerial things or whatever well, go for it, right? So it might be weird to the outside, but I think sometimes just... Not all, like, obviously not all relationships are created equal, so I don't know. I'm more skeptical, but now that I think about it, like, Rachel's my bestest partner at everything, so Mm -hmm. even if she was like, I'm sick of your shit, I would be like, yeah, I trust her to do anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I wanted somebody in charge, I'd be like, well, at least I know what she's thinking. Yep. It's fair. Good point. Next email from Alex Ellen, he says, Nick mentioned him and you guys are comedy guys, so give me a reason to throw my support behind Dan Cummins as well. He's one of my favorite comics, and you guys have something in common with him. His podcast, Time Suck, it's one of the two podcasts that I support on Patreon. Oh, Ooh, look at us. Dan Cummins, another vote for Dan Cummins. He says, if you watch the opening shots of Dan's latest special, Get Out of Here, Devil, on, on Amazon Prime, you can see me and my old lady standing in the line outside <gasps> as we were the live, uh, we were at the live taping last fall. Well, now I got to watch it, dude. I, I love when there's comedy live tapings. Like, I have been to a, at least one confirmed Comedy Central Presents special. But I've been to, like, a bunch of comedy shows, and, like, that's awesome. I'll, I'll look out for you. I saw Jen Kirkman do a special in Austin. I think that might have been the only time I ever... Like, I've seen a ton of comedy shows, but I think that's the only one I've ever been to a taping of. The cool part about the taping that when I went was that they have empty seats... And because they need to, like, fill it for the taping, like, my mom and I got moved up, like, way close. That's very cool. What I love about live tapings like that is you kind of get a peek behind the theatrics of it all. Like, when I saw Jen Kirkman, she, like, came down and she's like, guys, this is not the special yet. I just want to like, tell you a few things. She's like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to be, like, very ornate and very theatrical and whatever. <laughs> and then I'm going to do my jokes and then whatever. But I thought it's just, like, very cool how they're like, look, we're, I know we're doing a thing. Like, it's a dumb thing, whatever. Like, I, it has to be this way. Yeah. But I just want to let you know it's going to be a normal show, but I have to do certain things for the whatever. But I think I told you the story. I've not told it on this podcast. Back in 2011, on my birthday, I I went to New York because I won tickets. Like there was just like an email for a raffle, and you people get tickets. I was like, hey, if the thing's on my birthday, please give me tickets. But I went to New York and I saw the taping of Florence the Machines MTV Unplugged set. Oh, super cool! So 
we were like in the fourth or fifth row. Like my sister, my sister was in college at the time. And I don't think she had any classes or maybe she didn't have any classes like afternoon or something, whatever. And so she went to New York and she got online pretty early and whatever. Saw the whole show. And like Josh Hom, the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age came out and they did like a duet to Jackson, the song Jackson. Okay. And then at the end, they're like, we got to do the song again. Like there was something weird with the recording or whatever. We could do it better or whatever. So he came back out and he did another recording. So it was very cool. I love Florence and the Machine. I've seen them three I love times, yeah, I think. I'm a big fan. Queens of the Stone Age is one of my favorite favorite bands. I had not seen them live yet, so my first performance of his that I saw was with her, which was weird and cool, but I've told you this part, I think. The weirdest part of the whole night, which we did not know until we saw the video on MTV, was that in the front row, like eight feet ahead of me, or however, you know, we're in the fourth or fifth row, so however many feet each row is, in the front row is Kanye West, <laughs> and he's just watching, and like, she, like, I don't think she talks to him during the set, because like, we would have known, Yeah. but we had no idea that we were like, you know, say 10 or 12 feet from Kanye like kind of both like center like middle right and like yeah didn't even know until we saw the thing later so it's just like oh weird oh okay that's awesome cool. can you see yourself on the on the taping I don't think so when we when my sister and I were at Coachella we were up very close like we we wanted to see Lord really bad insert your South Park Lord joke here Lord 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 because she was not the headliner but she was like the second headliner at the stage so she's going on like eight o'clock or whatever we we're like oh let's just get here just stay here all day because like all the bands leading up to her were people that we wanted to see like there was like Capital Cities was a lot of fun live and before them like the Head and the Heart was okay but they had like Ty Siegel did a band like everything that we basically like everywhere that we would have gone is basically that stage anyway so we're like Perfect. let's just get yeah. here I love and that. every time people move out we'll just move up for Lord, my sister was in the front row, like at the rail, and I was behind her. So I was like, you know, just do your thing. But like, you could see us in like stage pictures from there, like behind looking out. So it's not on the MTV Unplugged, but it's a different kind of thing where it's like this whole massive, like tens of thousands of people, or you know, maybe just maybe just thousands of people, whatever, in this sea of people yeah. at the stage at Lord, and like we're just not in the middle of the picture, but like you can very visibly see, like, oh, there we are. So we were at, at EDC Puerto Rico. I was like right in front of the sound stage, and we were fucked. I was so fucked up. I was outside, and I looked up and said, "Why do they have this tent over it?" And people were like, "That's the sky." And but <laughs> yeah, that, that's how fucked I was. I was just like looked up like, "Wow, it's weird to be inside right now." And then we were like, "We're outside, bro." I'm like, "Okay, cool. If you say so." <laughs> but there was like pictures, and they took the pictures of the stage like from the sound booth, and I was right in front of it. So like, you see me, me and my friends like clearly lined up like right in front of it because like I was like, I need to have my back against the sound booth to not have anybody come behind me because I'm so wrecked right now. <laughs> How do we get here? Oh, Alex was online outside of Comedy Fest. So I was like, how do we get here? Okay, yeah, that's yes, how we not got Comedy Fest, Comedy Long Share. tangent. He says, I'll, I'll also use this time to say Time Suck is worth a listen as it covers a wide range of topics, and it's the reason I started listening to podcasts. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then he ends, hey, Joe, she ain't my sister, so tell Maria to throw that OnlyFans link. <laughs> I will. I will if she makes one. Uh, but again, like I said, I don't know if she has one, and I'm not looking for it. So search Maria 2 if there's a Maria 2 on OnlyFans. Can you imagine if she went by Maria 2? That would be awesome, but terrifying if it was on OnlyFans. And our last email is from the man of the hour from last night, Wells Lamont. Subject line, I'm on episode 37 now. And I was like, 37? Then I realized that in certain players, when I rearrange oh, the podcast feed right. to be seasons, yes. it shows up as like an episode number. So season six... The classic, the kick in an old school lap had 38 episodes. So Wells is almost caught up with the last lap. So he got like, you know, 
by five or six behind, so not too not too far. Yeah, that's what he said last night too when we asked him. He said he's he's, he's like a couple behind. So he says totally agree with Joey on the difference in baseball stadiums compared to basketball arenas or hockey rinks. No matter what, though, it's always great to visit a new stadium. Very cool stuff. I agree. I'm a huge stadium jumper now. Says so we've discussed how over the top Brian is when he's at Neptune's net with Dom telling him, "quote Selling groceries and giving tune-ups ain't shit. Tell me what's really going on." <laughs> The whole scene seems hostile to me on Brian's part. He overacts per usual, or as he says, per usual, and it always felt like he needed to calm down. Most people don't know this, but the note Dom passes to Brian actually says, we rob semis. <laughs> Does it? Is that a real no, fact? absolutely or... not. No. Okay, I was like, what? Boy, Joe, come on, man. He got me good, man. I was like, really? Like, what kind of deleted scene did we miss? Get to that in a second, but yeah. Also, that's like the key, the, the key of Brian being a cop to Dom. Like, if you don't realize Brian's a cop right there when he's like, tell me what you're really doing, you're like, okay, bro. Like, you're definitely yeah. a cop. Just relax. Yeah. Like He says, Joe's story about his dad's heart attack had me tripping. I don't like hearing that stuff, and I'm just glad he's okay. Sorry, now I brother. hear the story of the dickhead sucker punching him, and I'm heated. I'm driving angry as shit right now. I would have turned that dude into a vegetable if I was a customer there. I hate people so much. I'm glad Pops is better, but this makes me very upset. I'm rarely ever in a position to get vengeance for a stranger in need. The last thing I am is a tough guy, but I'm always ready to serve justice when I see people being turds and jerk holes. Amen. Uh, mild update. I don't know if I said it on here, but that dude got arrested, so... Oh, good. Yeah. No, you did not. He's, like, going to court, and he's in jail now. So he got his due justice, mm-hmm. and hopefully cool. he's in jail for a while. Well, it says, on a brighter note, I'm continuing this email three days later from the paragraphs above. I'm getting a new puppy, and I'm naming it Boza after Nick Boza, but I'm oh. not sure what dog I'm getting. Still in the process, I'll def keep you players updated. All right, bros, until next time, I'll holler. Peace. Well, I want to see this dog for sure, so send pictures when you get it. And obviously, you're going to name it Nick Bosa. Realistically, I think on the subject of names, I think Cap is a kind of a cute name for a dog. Cap? Like Captain America? No, like Kaepernick. Well, I mean, I guess that would be what people think of, but I was thinking like Bay Area Sports. Yeah, K-A-E-P. That is a cool name for a dog. Yeah, I like that. I also do like that Wells doesn't even sign his emails out with peace out, you ain't his peacers anymore. Like, we've just co-opted that, so I guess he just (laughs) gave it on to us. So it it makes even less sense that we use it now, but... It is what it is. I like like it. (laughs) It's such a weird sign-off. Joe, on the streets, Fast and Furious News, is there anything you have seen since we last recorded? I don't... There's a couple things that I have, but nothing that you... I don't think we've... We don't think we've posted anything. No, tell me. What's happening? So number one... There's a new Michelle Rodriguez movie out. So Amy Simetz, who is an actress that I love, she made a movie, I think this is like her second feature she's directed called She Dies Tomorrow, which I was very much looking forward to already. And I did not realize that Letty, Michelle Rodriguez, is fourth build in the movie. So I'm going to watch that this week sometime. Interesting. I'll report back on how it is. I don't know if it, it's not really a Letty starring thing. So if she's in it a bunch, maybe we'll cover this lap if I love it or whatever. But as of right now, it's not on the docket. But She Dies Tomorrow, out now on VOD. Cool. And also, Michelle Rodriguez has a, a documentary that I think I don't know if she produced or just helped create was this the, or narrate. Was this, the, the, was this the intro to the video that we saw last night in the pre-roll? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But this is so this is a, a doc called Stunt Woman, which is about stunt women in Hollywood. Oh no! I, so it's I not got the impression that. that 
Yeah. Yeah, I got the impression that the guru thing was maybe like fast and furious related. I don't know. Maybe it's just No, no, no. It was like it was like about self betterment and like helping yeah, your no, community. Totally and... unrelated to this, I think. Yeah, I think it's totally at least narratively. Related. Yep. The other thing, and I don't know where it better fits, but I guess we can maybe cover this on I don't know when to cover this, but we found another deleted scene from the Fast and the Furious. True which we did. Drives my completionist brain crazy. That yes. you and I both, I think, searched Fast and Furious deleted scenes like Multiple ten ways. different ways. Ten different ways. Each of us separately searched it many different ways. So like I hope that there wasn't I'm sure that there was overlap, but I was I'm sure that there's also creativity in those searches. So as I was searching Michelle Rodriguez with not even related to Fast and Furious, just Michelle Rodriguez, I just want to see like the most viewed things that she's in on YouTube to see if we could add to the pre roll. I find this thing like Full my favorite deleted scene. scene or something. Yeah. Full garage scene, it says. It's from the montage in the first movie when they're doing the Johnny Tran bust, right? And it's when Dom and Letty are making out and he lifts her up by the ass and they go to make out on the couch. Yeah, but it's like, not the is... montage. No, it's Brian and Mia working on a car and then they leave and then Letty rolls out from under a car and then she and Dom talk. They're talking about like how he doesn't have to be tough all the time or whatever. Because Brian and Mia have like this thing and Brian's like... Are we going to cover it now? Is that what we're doing? I don't know. I didn't take notes on it. I don't, I'm don't. i not really prepared, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, we can mildly talk about it. I yeah. feel like the next time that we, next time we hit one, we should cover it. Okay. We're also going to cover the deleted scenes in the Fast and Furious minute, like eventually. So yeah, we'll talk about Whatever this gets down there the road first, for But sure. it's going to be, it's going to be one for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Brian and me are like working on a tire or something. And then Mia's like, do you sleep good last night? And Brian's like, no, but I like it like that. And then Dom's like, Mia, like... <laughs> And then, like, Brian runs away. He's like, Mia, stop digging around. Like, do your homework or something. And she's like, I'm fine, Dom. And then, like, Letty rolls out from under the car, and it's like, stop being such a dick to her all the time. That's when she takes off his his shirt or whatever, and then that's when, like, they start making out, and then she, he lifts but her with up. with no music. With no music. It, it's very clearly not a finished scene, I think, because, like, there would be something here. Like, there would be score or something. Like, it's weirdly quiet. Yes. Or there would be sound effects or something. You know, she says something, and then she's like, oh, I like you, and then they sit down. But I'm like, it's, it's like a three-minute deleted scene. Like, it's a long-ass <laughs> scene, and we just didn't find it. So, like, if you're out there listening and you have more deleted scenes that we did not cover, I feel like we would have heard about them by now. Please email them because like I don't know I don't know how to find this. I thought we Same. were better at this, but it apparently not. No, but it's like it wasn't on the DVD, so it's like a deleted scene that got like found later, and then it's just on YouTube, but like not labeled like Fast and Furious deleted scene. It's like full car garage scene, Letty, <sighs> and you're like, what yeah, the fuck man. does that mean? Like I don't, I don't know. know. But yeah, if you know of any other ones, please let us know. It was mind blowing in like good and bad ways because I was like, like it was one of those things where we're like we're just sending links back and forth, like oh, add this music video, oh, should we add this, whatever, and I'm just yeah. compiling things, and then like I'm just like hold, hold on, hold on, and then like we just go silent for like three minutes while we're like, what, where, where does this come from? Yeah, and it's not like a fan, it's like a real scene. No, like it's yeah. from the movie. They they made it, and God the other damn. part is used in it. All right, Joe, the Ana Lucia Cortez Latina. Alicia Ortiz Lost for a Minute, Season 2, Episode 5, I think, dot, 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 and found. So this is a Sun and Jin episode in the flashbacks is where they meet. And in the present day, the main island stuff, I will say, is that she loses her wedding ring on the island, worried because they found the bottle and she thinks that Jin might be dead. Yeah, or they might and have... we still haven't met up with them. Yeah. But then on the other side of the island, the crew decides that by the end of the episode, we're going to go where you people are. We're all going to meet up because like our better, our best chance of survival apparently is with the doctor and the tracker and like everybody and like yes. the fishermen. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. 
I think that it's mildly racist that they give Sun and Jin episodes together and not their own episodes, and I don't like that. They have a concurrent story, but I think that it would play well if we could just see episodes of... Well, did we get episodes of one and the other? The only other package group on the island was Shannon and Boone, and they only had one episode and they were... a together episode so i don't think it's the rate i don't think it's racist i think it's just that like everybody else was strangers okay and this is like the united because like they came as a couple like their whole intertwined history is that they were a couple about to split up and now they're on the island together okay right? i will only be disappointed if rose and her husband don't have a combined episode later don't say i anything. don't remember if they ever have a flashback but we'll get to it i guess at some point or you know i don't yeah but i don't think it's racist i think it's just like they came together on the island their story is like it's the story of the couple like it even though seasons are very very long you're still telling a story of like 12 or 14 different people and it feels weird to be like well this is just a gin episode like it'd be weird i think if sun was not in it now and now that i think back i think that in season one like sun had an episode and gin had an episode they're definitely ones that are more focused on either one i think their individual stories are so much cooler this was individual stories like this wasn't like this was a sun and gin episode but they only meet at the very end like this is basically i know but i'm saying like just give me them in passing there's two concurrent stories happening and then they meet at the end they're individual in that sense but i mean like you could have had like the, like that was a really cool sun story and a really cool gin story that i want to yeah. see more of that could have just like passed at the end of two different episodes you know what i mean that's why i was like disappointed that they were together in this it feels like it cuts away from both of their screen time i still think it's effective like i almost cried but like at the end of this episode when they're together like just the way the music swells i was like oh boy like this what do you almost mean? got me when he runs into her not when they like because it ends with her finding the ring that whole thing like the whole ending where like it's them in the flashback running into each other and like meeting and then her their just eyes so happy and relieved and whatever yeah and yeah. like the music and all that scene like again i was just like oh boy like almost almost got me i really like sun as a character the flashbacks, I'm like, I don't really care about. But, like, as a character here, she's pretty awesome. Well, because she's, like, a fully fleshed... Like, in the flashback, she's not a real person. Like, she's been beaten down by society. That she's, like, yes, of this rich true. family. It's like, you can't... You're not a woman. You are to be... Or you own, like, whatever. Like, you have to be married off and you have to serve your husband, essentially, right? So... Yeah, and be, like, submissive and, you know, yeah. do whatever he wants. I really like the idea of that, that she went on this date and the guy's like, okay, cool. Like, glad we're, like, we're officially, like, dating now. Just because I'm assuming he's wildly wealthy and because he was bald, I was calling him Korean Jeff Bezos. Ooh, that's but yeah, he's a just good like, one. He's like, hey, so there's a woman in America I'm in love with so like it's super cool that we're like in a relationship now because like we don't have to get stresses from our parents and then yes. I can peace out in six months and, and son's like what he's there he's like I have to tell you something and I was like Rachel he's gonna tell her he's bald like it would have been good but no <laughs> alas I was like that would have been a great joke like that would have been like they should have been married if he would have dropped that joke on her she would have just cackled and been like okay like that's it before we get to the letty stuff and while we're talking about these sun and gin stuff i thought it was super super cool that at the end of the episode so as they're continuing like basically and we'll, we'll talk about the letty stuff is that like they start to they decide as the group as the tailies they're like we're going to make you lead us back to your camp by the end they're like just you know if you if you don't want to like, cool we're gonna, we're gonna follow the beach now that we know that there are survivors out there who are doing better than we are this is not going well we're gonna go there and we're gonna either gonna follow the beach or you're gonna lead us there cool end of story michael goes off and like just runs off into the woods because he thinks he sees Walter. He wants to find Walter. He sees the others or whatever, right? Yeah. And so then part of it becomes 
Jin and now we know his name, Mr. Echo. Yes. They go chase after him because Mr. Echo is like their tracker, kind of their version of Locke. He's kind of religious and spiritual. You'll see that. Okay. I just thought it was super cool that like, again, we were talking about how most of the leads are white, but there's like a long scene in this episode where it's two black guys and a Korean guy. And it's like... That's awesome, yeah. And it's just, that's not a thing that was on TV in 2005, which I was like, this is super, super cool. That's awesome, yeah. And then meanwhile, on the other side of the island, it's mostly like, you know, a, a sun episode with with either Kate or Claire and so like there's no white dudes and like so it's it's while all the leads are white and while Jack is in this episode a little bit and Locke and Sawyer and whatever are in this episode a little bit like they're kind of put aside and I was like this is actually very cool and it more is. representative than like a lot of the other episodes like as the show is very representative this episode in particular was like oh this is like a highlight of that I think I think so too all right so let's do some uh, some Letty stuff main takeaway from this Letty isn't married and I was like, Dom would not approve that you say that because we know yeah. that you got married on the beach. And this is an asshole move, Letty, to be saying stuff like this. Sawyer says, too bad. You seem suited for it. Which is such a good diss, by the way. But then she's like, you gay? Which is also, you know, very <laughs> Mrs. Alpha of her. And then I was thinking, like, the CPR scene because he's like, ah, funny. Like, I, I know. Like, Look at me. I'm not gay. Could a guy like me ever, you know, whatever. It's like, let's dial it down a little bit. But then thinking about your whole, like, took you out of the scene when he, like, wouldn't give Michael CPR for <laughs> I know, risk of man. looking gay on TV, maybe. <laughs> Because that was like an actor choice, not a character choice. You know what I mean? Like, I can see the character of Sawyer being like, I'm not gay. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, that's fine. Him not giving Michael CPR for the sake of what? I don't know. Right. Is like, come on, dude. Like, you're not that cool. There's a very funny Letty line. And funny in like, in just that it's in character for her. And like a little racist where she's like, does it look like I speak Korean? <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, but she needs to have a little bit of faith in Jin. Like, this is when they're on the on the beach, and, like, she and Bernardo are, like, struggling to find fish. And he just looks like he's, like, throwing things in the ocean. She's like, what are you doing, man? And then he just throws the net and, like, has, like, six fish. And she's yeah. like... Yeah. Also, Sawyer was like, if you're going fishing, you should take that guy. Yeah. Just, yeah. just letting you know, like, that's the guy to take. Like, yeah. if somebody told me that, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I trust you. Because that was, like, unprovoked. You know what I mean? He was like, I'm just telling you, like, if you're going fishing, if somebody, you know what I mean? Like, when you hear somebody and somebody's like, hey, I need something, they're like, you should call that dude. And you're like, why? And you're like, trust me, just call that dude. Yeah. You're yeah. like, okay, yeah, I will call that dude then. This was a big episode in terms of, like, the Letty group narratively moving forward, but I don't think it was a huge episode in particular for Letty, because nope. I think it's just, like, she's the leader of this group, and they're moving forward together as a unit, but, like... She is the Mrs. Alpha, though. She seems like she's second in command here, right? It seems like Mr. Echo's, like, the commander, and then she's, like, right underneath him. And she's also, like, the ambassador, basically. Like, she's the one who's like, "Where this is what we're doing. Like, Mr. Echo's kind of, like, a man of few words in a bunch of different ways, but, like, Libya's a line, she's like, we got trust issues. Like, we're like, things are not going well over here yeah. for us. You know what I mean? So, but there's another really, I don't know, I don't want to call it iconic line, but I think a really great, well-written line where what? Sun is like tearing up her garden and Locke comes over and she's like, did you see that? And he's like, tearing up your garden? No, not at all. Whatever. Talking about how like, I've never seen you mad. I used to be frustrated all the time. She's like, you're not frustrated anymore. And he just says, I'm not lost anymore. And like, I feel yes. like it's just such a great lock. Like, no, like this is kind of in a weird way where I'm meant to be. Like, this is... Yep. I belong in this island, so I thought that was a great, great line. That is cool. And also, she finds her wedding ring again, and yeah. assuming we're going to reconverge very shortly, probably the next episode. It's, it's soon. I will say, it's... Like, things don't break bad in a hurry. Like, it's not like we have, like, two more episodes. Like, they're going to meet up sooner rather than later. I don't remember if it's the next episode or not, but things... In it's, the it's walking... It, when, when Jin is hiding in the bush and people are walking by, were we supposed to play with me here... Were we supposed to think that that's Michael Walter that was walking behind the others carrying the teddy bear? I think we're supposed to believe it's Walt. I think it's supposed to be Walt. Okay. I think. Okay, cool. 
that's what I was figuring out. Any other thoughts about this episode, though? Dot, 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 Anne found? I thought that it was Anne found because they were going to find them, not Anne found because she finds a ring. Or both. Find both, at least. They're not looking for them. I mean, it's not like, again, we spent like 25 minutes in the whole last episode. We can't just all of a sudden, like, this next episode be like, oh, we're, we're on the island. Like, the island's Why a big not? island. Why not? Because you got 25 hours to fill in <laughs> a season. Like, what are you doing, man? Slow it down. I'm just so used to, like, 13-hour seasons. Like, let's get this thing fucking cranking. Like, let's go. Drag it along. Drag it along. Joe, the final thing to do before we take a break and talk about Robot Cop is talk about the Fast and the Furious Minute, Minute 79, a minute I called Officer Brian O'Connor. I like it. Civics are stashed somewhere outside of Thermal. And they wouldn't double back. And Highway 10 is just way too well patrolled. So what does that, what does that leave us with? That leaves us with all this. Yeah, this is Officer Brian O'Connor, serial number 34762. I need a cell phone trace. Okay, what's the cell number? Mia, what's the cell phone number? Come on, Mia, she needs Dom's cell phone number now. 323-555-6439. Thank you. Yeah, you get that? In this minute, Brian and Mia drive at night to find Dom and the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. Brian calls to get a trace on Dom's cell phone. Mia reluctantly gives him Dom's cell phone number. Dom and the family park to swap. We don't see this actually happen. starts to happen. Park to swap into the Honda Civics for the heist. Correct. My big surprise here is that Mia has a map. I don't remember ever seeing a map in any fact. Like, it just feels like they know where they're going at all points. I'm just like, a map? Really? You have uh, the Brian Dom race with the GPSs. Yeah, that's true. But that's but like not a like, map, a like a map. Like a paper like a map. Paper like a map. physical. Whew. I know. I was excited, and I tried to figure out what kind of map it was, but it's really out of focus. I was hoping that we could have found the map so we could each have one. <laughs> just hanging up on the wall. Yeah, I guess we're driving north of Thermal. Yeah, just, in, just somewhere outside of Thermal. We're looking for Honda Civics. Exactly. But I asked you to find... So you did find... Although I don't think you put it in here. Did you find that the location or no? No! That's the only look. So I, I, I was digging so hard. I even... Listen to this. This is how far I went for you. I was looking up reservoirs north of thermal california because it. it looked like a water reservoir to me that they're parking outside of and i can't find anything because think about it water thermal reservoir california yeah yep. yeah were there any notes because i don't think you added anything to the document was there anything in here that you saw that you picked up because there are cars there's cars at the end i don't know there nothing new i guess we're gonna have the civics in the next minute or so but anything that you saw that you made note of that you picked up on this minute no i wanted to find the map i can't read fucking mia's map here and i can't find the building oh so the other thing was, is okay, so I searched for all of this, and I went through, like, a bunch of, like, movie location websites, trying to see if I could find it. I saw somebody reference Thermal, and in the end, what I found is that there's, like, a bunch of these movie, you know, location websites that have a board, a forum at the bottom of it, right, like, that you can reply yep. to it, and everybody asks, like, what's the fucking spot where they switch civics near Thermal, California? And it was just, like, a ton of people asking that question with no responses, that's on a, a bunch of different web pages. And it looks like it's like a very distinct building, right? Like somebody has to know what this is. Like it's like a round building. There's a ladder that goes up to it. There's lights all around the outside. Somebody knows what this is, but it's not me. So I was disappointed with myself about that, but um, no. So I think that there is more to pick up on here. Maybe it's just a dialogue. Maybe it's whatever. But I think for a second 
minute in a row that's just Mia and Brian dialogue. I think there's still more, there's, there's more going on here. Better for our minute, I think. I noticed that, like, both their hair is blowing in the wind, but it looks like their windows are closed. I was like, I don't know what's going... He has a sunroof. Okay. Right? The eclipse has a sun, or the, the super has a sunroof. I guess the filming is just like, let's just make them look better, like, with the hair blowing a little bit, but I don't know. It just felt like a weird kind of, uh, I don't know where the wind is coming from. No, it doesn't look like it, bud. I, I would maybe, say Maybe that... they have the air conditioning at full blast. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, because his, like, it's, I don't know. It has T-tops, so are they in the convertible? Like, did he take the T-tops off? What's happens in the minute so. previously? They have a roof on it, right? Yeah. I also wanted to give Jordana Brewster credit once again, because her acting in this is once again great, as she is welling up with tears, as she continues to process oh, yeah. the emotions of being betrayed by Brian and also feeling now she's like she's probably betraying her brother, right? Like having to give yep. this police officer, whoever, whoever Nextel answers, Dom's cell phone number, which is 323-555-6439. I really wish that wasn't a 555 number because I would call that instantly. Yes. Did you add them to your contacts? Oh, I should just just have my cell phone like Dominic Toretto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in that regard, I have three different trivia questions, and I don't have Dom's cell phone number as a choice because I feel like it's similar to another one. But I have here: what is Brian's badge number? Three four seven six two. That's a good one, but it's kind of numbery. It is kind it. of numbery. We could we could figure out a way. Like we could have like a number that starts with the two or three. Or, I don't know. We could figure that out. That's a possibility. Go ahead. What item uncommon to the Fastiverse is Mia holding as she and Brian hunt for Dom, which would be a map. Yeah, that's or that's okay. Who does Brian call when he and Mia are driving after Dom, or who answers the phone when Brian calls? Either and the answer would be Nextel because I feel like Nextel yes, is such a weird ass answer. I'm a hundred percent with you on this one. That's the right question, and I love it. So I have as answers dispatch, LAPD, Nextel, and operator, and it is Nextel. That's the perfect one. You nailed so what, it. So what, what wording question or which question wording do you like better? Who does Brian call when he and Mia are driving after Dom? Because we don't know who he calls. Like who answers the phone? Uh, like there's uh, a weird kind of like it's it's all I the like, same question. I like who does Brian call. Because if they answer Nextel, we're assuming that he called them. But I don't know why that would happen, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who answers the phone when... <sighs> what is it? Like, who's the recipient of the phone call? But I think that's, again, who does he call? Like, I don't know that he's actually calling... How... Do, how like, this is a needlessly wordy, but, like, how is the how is the phone call that Brian dials answered? Yeah. The respondent... Of Brian's phone call answers what? <laughs> what response does Brian hear? Yeah, that might work. What it? Who? Who <laughs> like addresses? Who is the addressee? You know what I'm trying to say now. What response does Brian receive when he first when he dials? <sighs> <laughs> Yeah. Like it's all the same question, but it like, is. it's not. It's but like we need the right question. Like what? Um, who answers? Who answers the phone? Yes, that's like that's it. That's it. That's it. Who answers the phone when Brian when Brian calls to? Who answers the phone when Brian calls to place a cell phone trace on Dom's phone? Dispatch, LAPD, Nextel, and operator. And like on the quiz, we have that in quotes, so like they know it's a quote, right? So I wonder is three four seven six two. Where's this zip code? Lake County, Florida. Near Orlando. Why did you look up that as a zip code? It's Brian's that's, badge that's number. That's his badge number. So you looked it up just as a zip code, just in case? Well, it's a five-digit number. Like, what other five-digit numbers? What else could it be, really? Like, if I, when I see a five-digit number, I think zip code. Yeah, true, fair. But it's outside of Orlando. So I was wondering if that's, like, a, a it's probably just random-ass numbers. Or maybe that's, like, where the screenwriter is from or something. I don't know. Yeah, I would guess it's something like that. But, yeah, who answers the phone when Brian calls to place a cell phone trace on Dom's phone? Dispatch, LAPD, Nextel, the correct answer, or operator. Cool. Yeah. Well, Joe, let's take a break. Let us let's kick off officially Paul Verhoeven week with RoboCop right after these messages. And by messages, I mean Wes's song. 
This is episode number 116, Robocop. This episode is brought to you by the 6,000 Sucks. The 6,000 Sucks was one of the demands of former city council worker Ron Miller if he was to release his captives. It was also used at one point by Joe P. Cox and blown up by Clarence Bodecker by his Cobra Assault Cannon. Shout out to 6,000 Sucks, an American tradition. Well, shout out 6,000 Sucks and Joe. Welcome to the official kickoff. I mean, we have the intro, of course, but this offici- the official kickoff. Paul Verhoeven week, so you had not seen no. RoboCop before. Before we talk about it, what'd you think? Uh, fucking awesome, dude. Right? I really like this movie. Like, a lot, a lot. I really, really liked it. Separating the movie for a second, have you had anything stuck in your head? We've not talked about this, but stuck in your head the last few days. What do you mean? Our boy, the next president of the United States, Kanye West, has a song called RoboCop about Amber Rose. Oh, no, I have no. 808s and Heartbreaks. Dude, I, I hate 808s and Heartbreaks so much. Oh, I love that album. I, I love know that album you so do. Much. I know you do. It's like, it's my least favorite Kanye album by far, dude. Like, I put it dead last. Like, that's the one and that. And, like, I think. I know. It's, it's funny to me that, like, I <sighs> didn't listen to it forever because, like, I heard that <sighs> from a bunch of people, including you. And I was like, wait, let me just. Like, there's a Kanye album I haven't heard. Let me just. I'm like, oh. Wait, I love this. <laughs> yeah, that's that was the the album that he discovered auto tune. That's the that's the one that that's and what he, happened. Like, he uses it way too much, but it's still way it's too much. But yeah, in in on that album, he talks about how like you know she's just following him around. She's a RoboCop, just making sure that he's not getting into shit or whatever. Yeah. Right. So eight oh eight and heartbreaks is. I don't know if I have like a fault with him looking back. Like I didn't. I don't. I didn't really enjoy that album when it came out. Like graduation, incredible. I love graduation. That was like a really great Kanye album to me. Then he does eight oh eight. Then everybody else from that point on for like three years auto tuned the fuck out of every song that we heard on the radio so i was like so like i kind of blame him for that too there's a great tweet that was like man before twitter existed i didn't know anybody liked 808s and heartbreaks and like that's just the tweet <laughs> like nobody i knew liked that album <laughs> but like apparently and twitter loves it like a lot of the people that are like the common famous people that i like to follow on twitter love that album and they talk that it's like the greatest kanye album ever like it's still not my fa- like I, I still love my beautiful dark twisted fantasy more like i think that's his best album i think that's like that it's, it's, it's a perfect album it's a perfect album yes oh, man it's just it's wonderful but anyway paul verhoeven so robocop we are kicking this off we are again on friday going to be covering total recall a so both of these movies were remade in the last decade robocop starring joel kinnaman total recall starring colin farrell and jessica biel people hate hate the remake of the RoboCop. I didn't hate it. I seen this one once, like a while ago, and then I watched the remake, and I was like, the remake's fine. People, like, this movie, people love. They adore it. And so I think in that it's regard, great. people are like, oh, I don't want the remake. I don't want the remake at all. But I remember being like, that's fine. I have not seen the Total Recall remake, but I don't think people like that at all. But like these, these original ones, this one from 87, Total Recall from like 90, I think, are both like really loved. Yeah, I, I definitely haven't, hadn't seen this before. Like I was like watching it just very, very enthralled with what was happening. And oh, it's insane. It's wild. It's wild. It's so like 80s. It has like this yeah. weird new war feel to it. It has like weird scenes. CGI. It has, it's like gory, but you know that I always say that like, I'm not like a fan of gore and stuff like that, but it's like this like 80s, like campy gore. Like that really like Mm -hmm. is totally fine by me. Like this new ultra hyper realistic gore with like people like, like losing limbs very graphically and stuff is like, does nothing for me. But like this, like, you know, like somebody's head gets blown off and stuff. You're like, okay, whatever. That's fine. Well, when, when the titular RoboCop dies, he gets his hand shot off and his arm shot off and then he just gets obliterated. It's just like, oh my god. Yeah, but that's but it's like it's so cartoony in a way. Well, it's, sat, it's satire, right? Like it's yes. over the top for a reason. 
exactly. My brain can differentiate that very well yes. to be like, okay, this is just fun. Like, that's not, like, gross. Doesn't make me feel sick to my stomach or something. So Paul Verhoeven, if you don't know, for people out there don't know, he, I think, is a Dutch filmmaker. He, this is his first American movie. Over the next 10 years after this, he will do this, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Starship Troopers. Oh, I love like he's Basic made Instinct too. Huge movies. Yeah. Um, that people that are all camping over the top. Like all of his movies, to a certain extent, are hyper violent, hyper sexual, like satires of something, right? And it just yeah. like, it's all wonderful. And so Robocop, if you have not seen this yet, it's streaming <laughs> again, once again. I think the whole original trilogy. I've not seen two or three. I don't know what reaction is to two or three. I know people love this first one. They're all on stars. Shout out stars. That's Set hilarious. in the distant future of 1997 in dystopian Detroit, there is basically a privatized police force that is going to crack down so that the fat cats, the big wigs in town, can make more money. It seems like kind of the one good cop left is this guy who becomes RoboCop, right? Yes, yeah. Peter Weller plays RoboCop or Officer Alex J. Murphy. His partner is a, sort of a new partner to him, Nancy Allen, Officer Ann Lewis. In the weirdest, not a fast action, but we just spent so much time last episode. I know, say for it. For no reason. Say it. Talking about that 70s show. Yep. And then the dad from that 70s show is like, not Red. the main villain, but like the second in command. Yeah, Red is like the second in command here. And I'm like, wait, what? How, what? When we started watching it, and I was like, motherfucker, is this really Red from Bad 70 Show? And Rachel's like, let me look it up. And she's like, yeah, it is Red. And I was like, we just spent, we, like, you didn't even know the, the weekly connection, the segue that you had made between Dude Wears My Car and Robocop, I'm sure. Because that was beautiful. Thank you. I did not mean to, but I know I, you in didn't. retrospect, I was just like, oh. Wow. That makes it. so much sense. It was perfect. You you did an excellent job. Cut that out. Give yourself credit for it. Joey, I'm so glad you made it makes that up for the fact. It makes up for the fact that I dropped the ball multiple times <laughs> last lap. I know. With Back to the Future, with I uh, know. You know, Robert De Niro week, all of that just out the window. This is from downtown, a real 3 and D guy, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes to take down this group, and he is obliterated. He's not just murdered. He is obliterated. This is really weird, by the way. I mean, in, like, you know, the weird movie sense, that it's, like, his first day on the job, they, like, see, what do they see, like, a bank robbery or something, right? And then they go and, like, chase these guys, and they, like, have, like, a wild shootout on the highway, okay? So I was like, okay, I'm into this. This is pretty crazy. It was it was a little a la Too Fast, Too Furious, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. A little, little hanging out the side of the car, little stuff mm-hmm. going on on the side of the highway. I was like, oh, okay, a little fast connection there. Like, they kind of get away, and they're like, okay, we know that there's, like, six of them, and they have tons of artillery. Let's go in and confront them ourselves. And it's like... This is not going to end well. Like, No. It's not. They, they don't wait for backup. They go in there and he is obliterated. And so basically they rebuild him and they kind of letty him in that it's, it's both a letty and a bloodshot that he does no memory <laughs> of his previous life, right? It's just like he is yes. now the perfect cop. He has like three All things. All the skills. Three tenants, right? The greatest at his job. In the end, though, when he finally, like pretty quickly, I would say, conquers Red and his gang. He's just like, nope, you're dead or alive. You're coming with me. A handful of like iconic quotes in this movie that I'm sure blowing through people listening for RoboCop podcast are going to be very disappointed about. Yes. But again, not the podcast to be listening to. <laughs> but he conquers Red and then he goes to the head boss and like they had planned. The thing is that the, the, the evil guys are mm-hmm. this corporation and they made RoboCop. They're trying to make the secret police force, like you said, but they're also trying to get crime out of the city so that they can like 
totally gentrify it, make it, you know, luxury apartments like we see now. Yep. Yes. So he eventually confronts the guy who's like the vice president of this company that made him and is trying to take over Detroit through their corporationness. But he has a fork, a, a secret fourth initiative built into his coding where he's basically not allowed to kill this guy. The guy has like no fear of Robocop. And then he sticks this other like gigantic robot on him. It's like, street prowler that was the like original prototype it was like they were gonna make this guy and then he just like totally massacres this dude in a conference room which is an yep. awesome scene too they're like okay so he brings that guy back out and it's like go fight robocop yep. and then there's another huge confrontation with red and his men in which case basically everybody this time dies as opposed to just getting arrested and then at the very end he confronts the head boss again who is fired by the company he goes thank you and then he just shoots the guy out the window and it's wonderful yes. and like it ends like it's like a 90 it's like a 95 minute movie without credits like it's so oh. breezy and wonderful and i love it i agree dude oh man we keep watching these like 80s movies and they feel so nice like fuck mm-hmm. i'm so sick yeah. of two and a half hour movies like can somebody do this again and it's like an ending and like a real ending not a cliffhanger like again yeah. they make a sequel but like no if they didn't fuck it this is fine. Yeah, they don't set up a sequel. They just make yeah. a sequel to a movie, right? Because, yeah. So I will say right now, before we get into the conversation, there is so much trivia, and it's a lot of interesting trivia. Like, Mike and I also, we, we recently did a podcast about Bridge of Spies, the Hank Spielberg movie, and there was so much trivia there, and it was boring. It's all, like, historical, like, how is this accurate? How is this real? Whatever. I don't care. Don't care. This is, like, all interesting stuff about, like, the making of, the suit, whatever. I see the best of it but like there is a ton so if you want to know more about this movie you've not read the trivia imdb has a ton but we just can't because like we would be here for 45 minutes as i read all west, this like west don't try to add stuff. anything don't try to add yeah. anything because you won't get approved but <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some uh fast connections here i was saying my first one that came up we're in dystopian detroit do you remember another movie where we were in dystopian detroit it was a while ago it felt so blade runner back to in me. the paul walker lap ah uh, oh is it the one where he's like on the rooftop with mm-hmm. the bomb. Rick Mansions. Rick yep. Mansions. Rick Mansions, the okay. dystopian Detroit. Yeah. Cool. I didn't. I couldn't. I would never have guessed the name yeah, of no. Rick Mansions, but yeah, I remembered the movie. That makes sense. And it also felt very Blade Runnery to me. But that's yeah. just like the and feel there's of people it. like Blade Runner connections in here. There's a lot of connections, obviously, to Terminator, like a cyborg man or half man, half cyborg, yes, right? Yes, or like yes. a cyborg. A lot of inspiration from that movie was implied here. Applied here. I also me so there's a there's news or they maybe start in South Africa and I was like oh Charlize and then there's like a neutron bomb and I was like oh Cipher or maybe there's there's talk of the neutron bomb in South Africa and yes, like, this yes, is a very yes, kind yes, of yes. real life Charlize and also character Charlize in the form of Cipher I was like this is all blending into one yeah I I thought so too and like right in the middle of that first news segment they say like oh like here's the new Yamaha heart and I was like oh that is so cool because we see you know Johnny Tran and his buddies like Yamahas very very cool yeah and and if you were like going into like this kind of futuristic industrialized you know cyberpunk type future you could definitely see well i mean even in real life like mitsubishi makes like all kinds of wacky shit right like all these tech companies are going to start making healthcare equipment like you would eventually get to the point where like there could be a yamaha heart right that makes sense yeah yeah so. I want to talk about the, the the biggest fascination is i think so obviously peter weller robocop officer murphy is our letty because he is letty he's 
bloodshot is like he is literally killed and reborn yes. anew and has yes. to recover his memory. So like that. I also got very strong, obviously, I think, Brixton vibes because he is a man enhanced 100%. by machines. Yeah. Right? And yep. so I think that there's a lot going on here that is not only Letty between four and six, but it's also Brixton and Hobbs and Shaw. And you just have generally just like a super cop. I was getting a little bit of Hobbs vibes, right? Because he's like an indestructible cop. Right. So I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, like I was feeling like like who could be RoboCop without the idea that he's half cyborg. Brixton's a great one, though. I think that he has to, you know, as much as this is for Letty, like Brixton is essentially what they're going after. And also on the topic of Letty, although it's never really used, I guess it's the topic of Letty, but also Charlize with Cypher, is that they talk about how they always know where RoboCop is because he's got a tracking chip embedded in him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, just like the necklace, just like how they found the plane. Again, very Fast and Furious. Very, very Fast and Furious. I like it. There was a quote that's probably not like a super famous quote. Okay. I don't have a lot of history with Which this movie. Which one? Can you fly, Bobby? When they're like chasing him. And I was thinking cars don't fly oh yeah like the big quotes as i'm sure you can imagine from this are i'd buy that for a dollar yes and dead or alive you're coming with me there's one of my favorite lines i don't remember this i'm sure it's iconic and there's actually a little bit of trivia about this but (laughs) when he confronts kurtwood smith and he's like with his prostitutes or whatever and he just says bitches leave and that's a good one yeah very good but what's funny is that so on set Paul Verhoeven was referring to all the actors by their character name, so he had to refer to them as bitches, because I guess they didn't have a character name, which is, again, sexist and degrading, but also funny in retrospect. They're just like, hey, bitches, leave. Like, On set, set call, bitches, um, yep, you know, like, yep. it would be more like that than, hey, bitches, get on the couch, or, you know, right. the, the tone and inflection would would make some difference in this case. But yeah, still pretty funny. I'll say there's another quote of note, though, where it's not really tied to this, but tied to the origin, in a sense, of Fast and Fury. Okay. Where somebody says, you a good cop, hot shot? And I was like, pop quiz, hot shot. Not, actually, it's not at all. We're adjacent, but like, that's from Speed, which yeah. is like kind of the second in the 90s action trilogy from Keanu after yes. Point Break, which leads to, it's like, it's not quite a fast connection, but it's like in the ballpark-ish. It's close. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So I think that the, the two big quotes in here are, I'd buy that for a dollar and Dead or Alive, you're coming with me. But then also with the ED-209, that like robot is just... You know, you have 20 seconds to comply. You have 15 seconds to comply. Yes, yes, that for so, sure. So, I mean, just those, like, the robotic, like, the sort of delivery like that, like, that's what's memorable. I think that's what people kind of love about this, so, yeah. I think that my only exposure to RoboCop now is I think I played a ton of the RoboCop pinball machine. Okay. And I want to go replay it now, because I bet it's a lot of fun. He's a downloadable character in the new Mortal Kombat game. Like, you can buy, you really? can play as him. Does he have his own distinguished, is he, like, a skin for a different character? Is he, like, his own? No, he's got his own thing. Like, they, they, they've they gone crazy. Like, the downloadable, like, you can be, I think, like, alien, maybe? You can be, like, predator? Like, you can be, like, wild over-the-top things. Like, it's not just, like, scorpion blue is sub-zero or gray is smoke. It's like, no, here is his own thing. And, like, because he's got the things in here, right? Like, he's got, like, the, the triple shot or whatever with the big old gun that, like, yeah, the Desert yeah, yeah. Eagle was not big enough. Like, he's got things that are iconic to him. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Oh, a big, big fast connection is when RoboCop is fighting with Kurtwood Smith with Red from that 70s show, and he's throwing him through windows when he's reading the Miranda rights. I was like, mm-hmm. that's a very Dom and Hobbs fight in in 5, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, all the Crash, building fighting. things unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah, all the building, the through the glass and a building things were very reminiscent of Fast and the Furious in, for many ways. You know, the like... The Hobbs and Shaw ones, the Seven, jumping the car through, stuff like that. I have another one. I heard a name mentioned 
Did okay. you catch the name mentioned that's kind of adjacent to us here? At some point, they mention our friend that we've talked a lot about that Miss Jenny wrote in about, Lee Iacocca. They bring him up because oh, they're in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we got a little Ford versus Ferrari going on here, too. Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. I want to I want to take you on a sort of a journey here. And what? I want to see if, because we, again, I think the most exciting thing to sort of forecast or project for the Fastiverse is like how Hobbs and Shaw ties into future movies, right? Okay. And like whether Cypher's going to be a good guy. Uh, you know, if Cypher becomes good at some point, maybe Brixton becomes good. I think it's probably more likely that Brixton becomes good than Cypher becomes good. But I can sort of yeah. see toward the end of this movie, the way that Robocop basically fights back against the people who made him. If Cypher is in Etion, like she's high up in Etion or whatever, and I yes. can sort of see Brixton fighting back against Etion with the help of the family and like having a kind of showdown between you know, RoboCop and, like, the ultimate boss of this movie, like, the ultimate bad guy... Yes. ...is kind of how I think it could play out with Brixton and Cypher and Etion, where it's like... I you know, 100% he's on a, agree. He's a one-man-on-a-mission, like a superhuman, a superhuman, half-man, half-machine. You know, he's got to conquer people trying to hold him down, basically. I want to see a version where, like, we find out Cypher works for Etion, Brixton can't kill her until someone says, you're fired, and then he shoots her through a window, too. Would love it. Would love it. And that's, right? like, that would very much be like a nod to this, which I think would work very well for us, especially. I think it would just be fun. I, and like all the people would be like, fucking Robocop! Like, oh my god! <laughs> One of the things that Paul Verhoeven loves to do is like come up with like these commercials in his movies that are just satires of whatever. And so the car that the bad guys drive in this movie, the sponsor for this episode, the sponsor is yeah. the 6000 Sucks. The way that the Ed 209, the big robot, was like, or the ED 209, was like walking around reminded me a lot of like the Ray Harryhausen, like the old 50s, like kind of stop motion claymation, just yes, like kind of yes. janky, but like you just know. Yes. In this movie, when like the dinosaur, like very clearly, very poorly shows up, I was like, wait, what is this? And then I realized <laughs> it's the commercial for the car, and I was like, oh, that it, we almost couldn't. Because again, I've only seen this movie once before, so I really didn't remember details like that, but like when that came up, I was like, it's perfect. That's perfect for us. I agree, yeah. Glad that you were able to get them the sponsor. Yeah, I mean, I had to do a little bit of digging, but yeah. I think we're missing something pretty big in the Fastiverse, and that is not nearly enough toxic waste. I feel like it's a very 80s <laughs> thing, like Toxic Avenger, but like at the end when he gets the one guy to drive into the toxic waste and has like the great, great special effects, like man, oh man. Toxic waste, quicksand, like I, I'm surprised we don't get more of stuff like that. I think that like as we get zanier, there's a possibility for like someone to get dropped into an acid bath. That would be really nice. I would enjoy that. I hope so. Wasn't that like a, did you watch like the recent season of Rick and Morty? Wasn't that an episode, like an acid bath? Oh episode? yeah, the Bat of Acid episode, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's mm-hmm, where that's there's the one bat that about. isn't actually, yeah. Release the bones. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think this is this is not a question for this podcast, but I, I couldn't help but wonder, like, you know, he is facing almost re-death or death again, right? Like, he gets shot up, he gets beat up, like, he gets pumped full of lead, and his partner comes and rescues him because she realizes, like, who he is, and, like, they're sort of reunited, realigned, whatever, and she mm-hmm. saves him and brings him back. He's kind of, like, recovering himself, and he's like, you know, look away, you might not like what you see. And he takes his mask off and like it's his face, but like on a robot's body. And I'm like, why even give him a face? Like what? Like what? Like if you're yes. the, like, it just seems so horrifying. Yeah, it's there's no use to that. Like they spent all of this time creating a face for him. He doesn't need a face. He's a robot now. You have the brain inside. I also yeah. like that they confronted what he eats. Like them being like, oh, he eats this, and he's like, what's it like? He's like, looks like baby food. Tastes like baby food. And then she brings him baby food, and he's like, I'm not hungry. <laughs> it's like I really enjoy that this robot runs on baby food. There's a couple. Uh, villain 
fast connections that I have here. I feel like the club where he arrests Leon, which I think is Red's character, could be like a Carter Verone joint. Like, not really. Like, it's kind of like more no. clubby and no, like no, no, louder, no, no. but like it's similar. No, I'm feeling it's very uh, Braga. Like when Dom and Brian are in the, mm. the kind okay, in of four. nightclub. Yeah, Braga, like Braga in four. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, where they're, like, in a nightclub, but it's not really, it's more like a warehouse that he's, like, running that has a party. I can see that. Then I was thinking to take it to the next movie, to Five, what? with, like, OCP running the cops. When we find out that OCP is, like, this private organization that runs the cops and whatever, I was like, is that, like, Braga? Because it seems like they're all in his in their pocket, right? Like, they, they're able, they're above yes, the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, or not Braga, in Reyes, like, in Reyes and Five, where it's like, oh, like, he can do no wrong, like, he's got the cops on his payroll. They, like, run the cops, but they run the cops from the top, because it seems like in brazil like maybe like the governmental bodies he's paying off individual cops he has all of the cops in his pocket not the like infrastructure of cops in this movie it seems like all the cops are genuinely like trying to do good but like the administration up top is fucking them yeah yeah. get the difference of it like they believe that they're doing a moral good here the co- like, they're trying to rid crime from the city. The other way is, like, no, the cops are literally letting Reyes get away with criminal activity because he's paying off all of the cops. Because when I was thinking it was Reyes, it doesn't quite line up like this, but it would kind of make our main cop duo kind of, in a way, Hobbs and Alina. But, like, if it's not quite Agreed, that, yeah. it's it's similar, but it's not exactly. I don't think it's exact anymore. Yeah, I can definitely see Lewis the female cop being Elena, though. Yeah, like the kind of the one good cop left, essentially, right? Yep, exactly. She's like the one good cop left. She's the only one who's picking up on all the weird clues. 100% say she's Elena. Not at all related to the podcast, but I do want to point out that I never realized, again, I don't remember when I saw this, probably in college, but I don't know. There are two kind of major-ish, but not really major, Twin Peaks actors in this. Miguel Ferrar, who is the guy... Uh, who gets killed, not the guy who gets, like, obliterated by the robot, but this is a guy who gets killed, I think, by maybe the main bad guy, I think. He's an FBI agent in Twin Peaks. And then Ray Wise, who's kind of, like, second or third in command in Red's group. So he's, like, kind of, I guess, a couple tiers down. Uh, He's also a main guy in Twin Peaks. But I was just like, oh, wow, okay. Like, a couple pretty major Twin Peaks guys are also kind of pretty major in Robocops. I think it's kind of a weird little coincidence. Yeah, Yeah, I like that a lot. That's very cool. Unrelated to, I don't think we have any gun twirls in the Fastiverse, unfortunately. Not enough gun twirls, if you're asking me. I want to see Hobbs do it once, right? Gun twirl and holster his gun like a cowboy. I could see him. I kind of, I, I can picture him doing it. So maybe he has. Yeah, this is one of these. Like now that I said it, I can see it in my head happening, but I don't know if it actually existed or not. I also can see Roman doing it and dropping it, and the gun going off. Right, like kind of like the harpoon a little <laughs> yes, bit. Yes, yeah, like... yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But I can't imagine Roman being Robocop. I can imagine Roman thinking he's Robocop, but I can't imagine Roman ever being equated to Robocop. Right. No. Yeah. No. He's the farthest from Robocop in every regard. But I can imagine him being like, yeah, I'm kind of like Robocop here. And you're like, no, no, you're not, no, you're absolutely not. But what I love about the gun twirl is like that's what triggers lets her, her know that it's him, right? Because you know yeah. he was saying that like my son loves the show TJ Laser, which is a play on TJ Hooker, but like he loves TJ Laser and like he always in the show like does like the gun twirl, and so he was trying to master to make his his son happy and like you know I can that's sort of like a sad like a, it's a cute thing, but it's also like kind of like a oh I got like my son's you know kind of hates me or whatever, and I can sort of see in a way I don't think it, I don't Dom think in a couple of a... movies like Dom being like. Oh, you know, baby Brian hates me. Got to do something cool. I don't even think it implies that his son hates him. He's just trying to look cool for his child. Yeah. They seem like, in all the flashbacks that we see them together, they seem like they have a decent relationship. Like, they're having fun and stuff together. When you see the first flashback of her being like, I have something to tell you, I was like, oh, shit. 
And then, like, you yeah. see it later, and she's like, I have something to tell you. I love you. I was like, oh, that's, like, the tamest, sweetest thing ever. Like, he had a really good family life. So, yeah, I don't think it's because yeah. his kid hates him. I think he's just, like, you know, just trying to impress his son. Like, I'm, I'm your dad, and I'm cool, and you should, I should be your role model, you know? Yeah. Anything else notes-wise you have about the movie? Anything else you want to mention? Um, I think we'll probably wind up talking about this movie a little bit more next episode when we talk about Total Recall. I'm sure. A little bit. But I got a bunch of trivia here. But anything else you want to talk about the movie? Any fast connections? Any other notes? I mean, I know it's like a really classic trope. They're in a fucking warehouse hideout where he where he's like rebuilding himself oh, yeah. yep. when he like unscrews everything and she's like there with the food and if it, like we've seen that how many times in Fast and the Furious so yeah we even pointed out recently about like the uh, and also like to live and die in LA right like the the sort of abandoned whatever right so yeah I know that that's not like strictly right Fast and the Furious things but like that we get a lot of abandoned warehouse hideouts here. So some things, I try to keep it kind of car-related or whatever. When he was in his full costume, Peter Weller could not properly fit into the police car because it was just too bulky, uh, it was too much. Yeah. So a lot of the shots are just him from the waist up because he would wear the top but not the bottom. Makes but sense, to make yeah. it seem more realistic, to make it seem like he's actually wearing the suit, because of course he wears the suit because like that's just his body now, they would show him getting out with the feet. So it's like, oh, like he, I get it. Like he's, he's wearing the costume. But like apparently they couldn't fit into the car because like it was just... It was was too bulky. Was too yeah, so he metal. would put like one leg in, sit, pretend like he's getting out of the car. Makes sense. Yeah. The police cars that they used were modified Ford Tauruses. One of the I saw main that. competitors of the Taurus was the Pontiac 6000. And so the 6000 sucks is a not so subtle jab at the Pontiac 6000. It's super cool and super fast. But then it blows up super easily, right? So, <laughs> yes. I mean, if you have like a, if you have a rocket launcher. <laughs> yes. I mean, he shoots that gun like one round into that store and the entire store building just blows. <laughs> I Amen. love it. And the 6000 Sucks was built from the body of a 76 Oldsmobile Cutlass four-door sedan, which apparently you can tell from the front end. So, Which is cool because my dad has a 70 Cutlass. That's like his, that's his, you know, favorite, favorite car and the car that he rebuilt. About a decade ago, an internet rumor began to get funding for a RoboCop statue to be placed in Detroit. Oh my god, uh, And then Peter awesome. Weller himself made a PSA to support it, and eventually a Kickstarter campaign was created and proved successful as the 12-foot statue is now in production. So I don't know if that's up. It says 25 years later, so that would have been like early 2010. So maybe there's a RoboCop statue, maybe not. But they talk about, you know, especially in the last couple of months, are any statues good? Like, do any statues bring joy? Should we not take any down? ACAB, but also RoboCop statue Robocop. would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's like the fucking Rocky statue in Philadelphia. Like, yep. it's innocuous in the sense that it's it's a fictional character, right? Like, yep. if you make a statue of something that's fiction, like if you want a Pegasus statue, I don't give a fuck. Like, that's just art then. Apparently every major director that they brought this script to turned it down. They just thought it was like a dumb action movie. And Paul Verhoeven also thought it was a dumb action movie. But his wife was like, no, there's like a satire here. There's like a story about a man like Ooh. losing humanity and refinding it. Like, there's more to it here. So he came on, and like that's again, I said before, this is his first American movie. Apparently, one of the first things he did was like, I want a sex scene between Robocop and his partner. And the writers were like, <laughs> Cool, you got it. And they wrote one, and then like, I guess he read it. He's just like, Oh, wait, no, this is a dumb idea. And so, like, they just scrapped it. But it's funny that, like, because he's like, That doesn't happen. Like, when you're just like a new director, you can't just be like, I want like this crazy thing to happen. They're like, You got it, Chief. Apparently, it was like, there was There's a version of this world, I guess, where we would have had a Robocop, Nancy Allen sex scene. So that's really funny. There was like a big news story to today unrelated but related because he brought up robocop sex there was like a news story today that that's been going around for like the past couple days that this guy like something happened he got like some kind of infection in his penis okay oh yes did you hear Mm -hmm. this the doctors were like 
okay, like, we can either, like, try to salvage it or, like, just cut it off and, like, grow you a new penis. And they grew it, like, on his arm. So I saw, like, this picture, and I don't know if this is, like, a real picture. I think it is. From what I understand, it's a real picture. I think it's real. I think. Do you have to cover this up when you go into a store? Like... Are you allowed to show this to children? Not I mean, like there's show no better this time to, to have it done than pandemic time, right? You're at home. You might as well, if you're going to grow a yeah. penis in your arm, now is the time to do it. That's what I was saying. And I was like, Rachel, if this was me, I would be going everywhere. I, like, first of all, I'll grow a huge one. And I would be like looking, at my, <laughs> like looking at some lady and be like, look at my arm and be like, just give me eight months. Just checking the time. Just being like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Like a Rolex. You just roll your wrist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Did that flop on your hand? That's so weird. I mean, just like the whole concept of it. Just like, what if you saw this out? Like, this is something, you know, like when you see like little kids and you're like, don't say it. Don't say it. Like, we get it. Like, that's a strange thing that you haven't seen before. Don't comment on it. Yep. As an adult, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, just like instantly. Right. <laughs> like, I couldn't control myself to, to like to have restraint in that situation. That was my Robocop sex story. <laughs> this is a really, really funny bit of trivia that apparently in Sacramento, a robbery suspect fled into a movie theater to get away from the police pursuit. But he got so into the movie that he did not realize that the police had evacuated the rest of the theater. And so they turned the lights on and he was alone in the theater, but he was watching Robocop. <laughs> So I think that's super funny. Like, man, you know, I, I don't mind getting caught because at least I've seen this really cool movie. Yeah, this is like the, the Tokyo Drift thing where they had like a fall guy, but like yeah. a very weird inverse version of that. Yeah. Like it actually stopped a criminal. They submitted this to the MPAA 12 times before they Ooh. got an R rating. Jeez. Because it was just so wildly violent. They apparently cut a few seconds out. So we watched like, the I think the version that's widely available, that's most widely available is the director's cut, which is the right yes, one to watch. Yes, that's what I watched. Yeah. Basically what they put in theaters was not wildly shorter, but they took out a lot of the violence. So, like, the scene where the guy gets obliterated by ED-209 in the office, yes. like, they cut out, like, two full seconds of that because it's just, like, shooting his, like, lifeless body, just, like, riddling the corpse <laughs> with more so bullets great. that they cut out. That was so great because they're like, call the ambulance. I was like, guys, he's fucking dead. Like, that, there's yeah. no there's no ambulance calling for this guy. Like, well, they, like, they the even coroner. say that, like, that's life in the big city. It's like, no, it's not. That's not life in the big city. Like, it's not, that's not what this is at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, like, when they're like, wait, somebody get an ambulance. It's like, no, man. Like, we're way past ambulance time. He got shot, like, yeah. 75 times. So, if you'll remember, have you seen Starship Troopers or no? No. Well, you didn't do your homework because Brian covered it, I think, this year on High School Summer Party. It's great. It's like a really, it's like a war satire. It's like about these, you know, this school that is being raising kids to fight in war against these aliens but it's like so well done that people thought it was a dumb action movie but like it's actually like a very smart like kind of like this where it's just like in that movie he did something more fully that he wanted to do here that there's the nude co-ed locker room scene where there's like men getting changed women getting changed he's like this is just like what the future is going to be like but like they didn't really have it fully done but they have a more full version in Starship Troopers which he did 10 years later so just like his vision of the future I guess is just men and women together getting changed but like devoid of sexuality it's just like a weird like oh okay like that's his thing I guess yeah when we were vacationing in Greece a lot of the islands have just like one set of bathrooms and it's like very strange when you first encounter it like you would just be like oh and there was urinals too mm-hmm. and like sinks lined up facing the urinals with no boundary you'd be going to the bathroom and you'd like turn and look down the sink and there'd be like girls washing their hands and you're like that's very interesting so at the end where there is the guy who is melting from the toxic waste apparently his 
body? I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but like the effects were hidden from the other cast members. So when Ray Wise sees him and she says, don't touch me, man, like that's genuine. Cause he's like, Oh, this is oh. horrifying. I've never seen this before. And I think that works really well. Cause like really well. Cause like it works really, like it just, it it's works terrifying really well. To see. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think this is very funny. So they realized while they were shooting this, that they were over budget and they were running long. And so they shot the entire movie basically, except for his death scene. They did not shoot Robocop's death scene. And so they went to the, okay. the studio and were just like, hey, like, here's what we have. And the studio was so blown away by, like, the quality, the aesthetics, like, all the effects. They're like, yeah, here's more money or whatever. The thing nice. is, very funny, like, if they had done a different thing, like, you can't do this movie without RoboCop dying because, like, then you don't become RoboCop, right? But, like, yeah. if you don't do something else, the studio's like, oh, we don't really need that. But, like, you need this scene. So I think it's a very smart way to be like, oh, like, we don't have enough money we don't have enough time. Yep. Let's just not do like the most important narrative scene. It's, pure, and it's then brilliant. We'll have to go yep. back, right? I love it, and that makes so much sense. Okay, look, either this movie doesn't get made, or yep. they have to do this scene. Yeah, either for you us. wasted all this money and all of our time, and like we turned a good product in, like, and you're not going to use that, or you give us another like million dollars in another week or whatever, right? Yep. So, like, but I, I get that that's also a high, a high, a high cost scene. Oh yeah, I'm sure because it's like, just it's absolutely. Like the the effects are brutal Makeup. and like real. They look real. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, as real as like an arm getting blown off by a shotgun is, but in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they apparently storyboarded two scenes, which I I would normally cut this out, but like they're very kind of applicable to what we talk about, which I thought this was interesting. They storyboarded two scenes, but didn't film them. And on the DVD, there are drawings of them. So there's one where he visits his grave, and I was like, oh, very dom and like Letty. There's a lot of graveyard, a lot of funerals, right? Yeah. 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 And the second one, also fitting for us, is a long car chase an alternate scene that got them to the old steel mill where Murphy died. It's going to be set after Robocop removes his helmet and they break up a riot, followed by a shootout with Joe and Emil and the Cobra assault cannons. Eventually they retreat to their cars and the car chase to the old mill begins. I think it's it's weird to me that there's like these two scenes, one about like visiting a graveyard of a guy who's not actually dead, not buried there, mm-hmm. applies to us, and then a car chase applies to us. I was like, oh, cool. I agree. Yeah, that would be really cool. final bit of trivia... My favorite thing what? is that apparently, which I did not know, this is part of the Criterion Collection Spine Number 23. So the 23rd movie that they were ever like, we need to immortalize this, was RoboCop. So like, number one is like some like art, like number two is Seven Samurai, like these like yeah. historic, like whatever. And then number 23, RoboCop. Like Michael wonderful. Jordan, The Good Last job, Dance. Criterion, yeah, man. This feels way more like a Vinegar Syndrome kind of movie than it oh, does yeah. a Criterion movie too, right? Like, Yes, I agree with that. But I think Vinegar Syndrome is like the forgotten stuff. Like this, for as pulpy and the aesthetics of Vinegar Syndrome as it is, like had such an effect on so many things and people and places and whatever. It is kind of Criterion. Like it's, it's the aesthetics of Vinegar Syndrome with the impact of Criterion. So I, I guess agree. either yeah. could do it, but I'm glad that one of them did. I agree. All right, Joe, let us watch the trailer. If you want to watch the trailer for mm-hmm. RoboCop, we found, of course, our favorite or old standby movie clips, classic trailers, RoboCop 1987 official trailer, Cyborg Police sci-fi movie, HD, which I, I think it's very funny to me that like somebody's just like, I don't remember RoboCop. Like, I can't remember the words robot cop, but like Cyborg Police sci-fi movie. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I should be ready to go whenever you are. All right, three, two, one, play. Coming from, oh yeah, Orion. Oh, that was pretty cool too. Nice Orion's made some good movies. They're going. Do we see this shot in the movie? They're going through like the maybe. I don't remember. I also watched this movie in a very weird way. Like half of it was before I lost power, and then the other half was today. So like, uh, makes sense. This I remember. Like the way yeah, he wakes up, right? 
But yeah, him shooting through the things is wonderful. Like, it's just... I agree. Oh, also, yeah, his, his knife blade that, like, he uses for all sorts of different things as a weapon, as a hacking USB tool. port. Yeah. Yep. Cancer is crime. Let the woman go, you are under arrest. Oh, I have a rape. bit of trivia about the rape scene, I will tell you after this. Which sounds no. terrible to say, but it's, it's cool. Rape. Your move, I bet that's a super, super classic directors. line, yeah. And, like, even though he delivers these lines, it's very Arnold, like, I'll be back, right? Like, it's just like, yes! We're doing, like, a pulpier Terminator. Not that Terminators are not pulpy already, but, like, next level. Yeah. I love that's even in this. Like, it just does... All those glasses are just, like, the breaking of the glass. Oh, when he breaks through the wall, The rip through too. the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. His memory's admissible as evidence. Oh, his memory is admissible as evidence. Da -da 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 -da. This trailer is good, man. Like, it's it... badass and it spoils a lot, but you're also like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah. Oh, when he shoots the logo out? Oh, God. Wonderful. So the, the trivia about the rape scene was that apparently he was supposed to shoot the guy through the eye, because, like, Robocop can't miss, right? But, like, he yes. realized, they realized as they were filming that the extra, the actress who was standing there, like, the victim, right, because he stops a rape in progress or whatever, yeah. she's just standing there. She's, like, still fully dressed, like, she's got a skirt on. Paul Verhoeven realized that she was standing with her legs spread. He's like, it would be really cool if he shot the rapist in the dick. And so, like, she, because she was standing That's there with the rape genius. with the legs spread, he's like, just aim low, and then that's why, like, they squibbed his... His, you know, his loins. And I think that's a very funny, just like, because the eye is cool, like, it, it's whatever, but, like, that's just, like, a very, like, fitting, like, the injury comes to where, like, the offending part, essentially, right? It's so, so awesome. Yeah, I agree. I really like the shooter in the dick part was yeah. was wonderful to me. All right, Joe, the letterbox game. So, for reference sake, oh, Mad Max Fury Road. Hard. Get ready. Okay. Uh, 611,000 people have seen Mad Max Fury Road. Now, RoboCop 1987 Directed by Paul Verhoeven, starring Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Ronnie Cox, and Red himself, Kurtwood Smith, has been seen by how many people? 123,000. You're not wildly far off, but you need to go higher. 137,000? Again, higher. 145. 154.4. Wow. Yeah, I was guessing high, because I was like, Criterion, cult movie. Wow, that's that's a lot more than I expected, to be honest. Out of those 154,000 people, how many have it in their top four? Oh, fuck. Average rating of 3.9, most common a four, then a five, then a three and a half, then a three, then a four and a half. <sighs> I gotta go high. I'm gonna say 650. Not even close enough to being high enough. Really? Way higher. Yeah, way higher. I mean, not like stupidly higher, but like way higher hey, than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 4,500? No, less than that. Somewhere in between. Okay. Uh, 2,375. 1,500. 1,500 people have That's this in their top four. That's a ton, dude. So here's, ton. here's what I was saying. I was like, I bet. And so I looked and I found twice. Two people I follow on Letterboxd have this in their top four. So we're going to play one of them. Okay, cool. We're going to do one, which I think is going to be easier, but I do want to say, so Griffin Newman, he's an actor in Hollywood. He, he's in The Tick. He's not The Tick, but he's like the second guy on The Tick. He's Arthur on The Tick. He's Griffin on Blank Check. He's had a, a podcast called Blank Check. He's also okay. been in Comedy Bang Bang a bunch. Like, he's great. Like, he's a very funny guy. He watched it twice in 12 hours, and he said, the first one, five stars, the great American movie. And then he said, yes, I watched RoboCop twice in 12 hours. In my defense, the second time was with the commentary track. 
Uh, he's okay. got in there with Rushmore, Toy Story 2, and Brewster McCloud. But I love Rushmore too, man. So we're going to do this guy, T. Culture Vulture, the Culture Vulture. I don't know what I did to make this guy like me other than just be my amazing, charming self. But like this guy's got like a pretty big following. He's got like 3,000 followers on Twitter, like 500 on Letterboxd. Okay. But he only follows like 30 people on Twitter and 30 people on Letterboxd. And I'm one of them. Like he likes one of the podcasts that I've done with Mike. But this guy, T. Culture Vulture, gave it five stars, rewatched it as part of... One of the things he was doing just says American Jesus, damn fine film. And he details all the kills in the movie. So pretty cool. So here's his top four. Again, like Robocop is not on these levels, but four of the biggest movies of all time. Robocop is his number three. The Matrix. No, no. Actually, they're all from the 80s. So they're all from the 80s. They're all between 1980 and I think this is the most recent one at 87. Um, But four huge movies from the 80s. Star Wars. No, that's the 70s. I guess Empire is 80s, but no. You're very close to one one component of, of Empire. One component of Star Wars is the key part of this other movie that's also huge that we've had in this game before. Uh, Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark, number two. Okay. Number four is... I'm going to use this kind of loosely, but number four is your current obsession. Is it... Huge movie from the 80s. Um, Slapshot or something? No, what's... No, no, not... No, I mean, like, you're, this actual movie. Like, I'm not using the movie as a metaphor, but you're actually... Like, what movie have you been obsessed with, kind of, in the last, like, month or so? What 80s movie have I been obsessed with in the last month or so? Yeah. I don't remember. What was I thinking about? What did we... Was it something we watched for this? Nope. The other one, his number one movie is a movie that we watched last lap, but the number four movie is a movie you've talked about on this podcast a few different times. Really? I really love it, and it's an 80s movie, but mm-hmm. we didn't cover it for anything. I don't know that I would say it's, it feels like an 80s movie, but it is. It's from 1980. I will say, in terms of the podcast, in terms of the frames, the framing of the podcast, it opens with like a three-minute aerial tracking shot of a car. Is it Goodfellas? Nope. That's from 1990, I think. Yeah, I was like, that's way later. You're going to be so angry when you realize what it is. I don't know. What have I been talking about that's like an 80s movie that I'm really into that I brought up you? watched you. the movie. You watched it recently, but you've also time? experienced a lot of other media around this recently. Oh, The Shining? Yep. Awesome. Okay, yeah, yeah. Actually, we were at Target today. I was getting Rachel some new Lego sets. They have a Shining board game. Oh, cool. And I was Very like, that's cool. really interesting and weird, Like, but it was three players, not two, and we're on fucking quarantine, so. And then his number one movie is one of the biggest movies of all time and a movie we covered last lap. Biggest movies of all time, movie we covered last lap, obviously Fast and the Furious. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Blues Brothers? No, bigger than that. Bigger than that. I'll give you one more guess and I'll give you like a slam dunk hint. Classic car movie from the 80s. But but it was was one that was on the cusp, but we did it. I don't know. We did so many. Uh... The slam dunk hint. It, the slam point. dunk hint is that it's no way bigger than that. Mrs. West's favorite movie. Oh, Back to the Future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, there was a fucking Back to the Future game at Target today too. So I meant to t- tell Wes about this. So now I did. Wes, there's a Back tell, to the Future game. Culture Vulture. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Back to the Future board game that was available at Target that I saw today, and I meant to take a picture and send it to you, but I had a bunch of stuff in my hands because I didn't get grab a cart, so we just carry everything, and it's hard to do things when you see things. So, yeah. So T-Culture Vultures, top four, Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark, RoboCop, and The Shining. Four huge movies, but four great movies. So Four great movies. Dude, shout out T-Culture also, Vulture. on that note, we watched The Shining, the movie. We listened to the book on tape. We watched the show. Rachel was just talking about The Shining, and she was like, I hate the movie. <laughs> 
And I was like, whoa. I get that the movie's not the right story, but, like, the Stanley Kubrick movie is fucking great. It's, like, it's definitely not the book or, like, the intention of the story, but... Yeah, like, I, I can see if you're if you're a purist and you want... Like, again, I haven't read the book. I haven't seen Stephen King's adaptation, but from what I know, if you're a purist and you want the adaptation, like, yeah, but, like, I think there are zero people on Earth, maybe Rachel and maybe Stephen King, aside from Stephen King, <laughs> yeah. there are maybe zero people on Earth who think his adaptation is better, as a better movie than the Kubrick one. Like, again, maybe it's not The Shining. Maybe it's not, you know, the the story, but it's like, oh, no, this is, like, one of the greatest movies that's ever been made, so. Yeah, I I agree. I was like, you don't respect it just for, like, the art of it. Like, I get that it's not the same. It's, like, it's, like, a loosely based art form around that story, but, like, it's it's a fucking great movie. Like, it it is. I get it. As the kids say, I live for her fiery hot takes. Just, like, (laughs) why, like, why are you so angry about, like, what, just, (laughs) like, you don't have to have, like, a strong opinion. Like, I know she doesn't have a strong opinion on everything, but, like, you don't have to have a strong opinion on everything. Like, it's, it's okay to be like, yeah, I don't really like it. Like, that's fine. Yeah, no, she was just like, I hate it. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, that's very aggressive for, like, one of the best movies ever, but yeah. So, Joe, on Friday, we are continuing, or I guess we're wrapping up Paul Verhoeven Week with Total Recall, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I've only seen that also once. I've never when seen it. Mike I, and I maybe went I have. to, we went to Hey Arnold, which was an Alamo Drafthouse marathon of five Arnold movies, and I saw it there for the first time, so I was very excited to see it again. Again, a missing pieces lap, so you kind of know thematically what part of it is but i'm yeah. just glad robocop not really about memory loss but there's a lot of letty elements a lot of everything in this, was, in this. yeah yeah man brixton letty hobbs yeah. yeah everything any other thoughts about robocop or anything that we talked about today or do you want to come back on friday for total recall total recall oh also total recall so that's true maybe we'll have to talk about that too i really like this movie and i want to watch it again soon this would definitely go into like a nice this feels a a la the, the movie you told me to watch. What was it called? I forget. Miracle Mile? Miracle Mile, like RoboCop. Like this would fit into like a nice vinegar syndrome kind of flow of that. And I was like, wow, I can't believe it took me so long to finally see this. So Miracle Mile gave me the sense. And I, I hope I, I kind of get the sense from how you described it, that like there are still movies out there that I have not seen that I'm like, oh my God, like this is one of my favorite movies of all time, but I've never seen it before. Like I'm not, not only have I never seen it, but I've never thought to watch it. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that yeah, there's still sure. surprises. Certainly like, I think a lot of the eighties were just like, how did this, how is this, how is this a movie? Like how, how did this get made? Like literally how did this get made? Because like yep. it is insanity. No, I, and I think I really need to like dig deeper into like like the 80s was like a nice time because like they had like a little bit of cgi they were making these weird movies they're breezy to get through yeah they yeah. were just like playing around the film and i really enjoy it so if you like robocop actually if you are out there you've seen robocop and you've seen the sequels i mean i can look up the sequels i can look on letterbox and see like what i i fear that they're probably not great because i feel like everybody i've heard who loves robocop would be like oh you gotta watch robocop 2 also like i don't know i don't yeah, know or like, like three is great that. skip two right. but three is great yeah and like the fact that mike hasn't done three on his podcast is maybe telling i don't know who but knows? if you're out there and you're listening and you have seen robocop 2 or 3 or you've seen the remake and you want to have thoughts on those family at cageclub.me but for all things too fast too forever you go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash too fast too forever or at too fast too forever on twitter and instagram email us family at cageclub.me come back on friday for total recall just send us a note and say hi yes i'm joey lewandowski i'm joe too and we'll see you next time right here on too fast too forever peace out, peace out. You anus. Anus.